Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to New Hoopsville. Wow, our audio is awfully low. Hello, hello. How about that? Strange, strange. Don't know why that is. I'm here. Don't worry. We're getting this fixed. Good afternoon. Hello. Yeah, we're a little low. We'll fix it. Good afternoon. Evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Laudio's a little low. We're working to fix that. Don't know why it is. Hey, we can't go on the air smooth even after the holidays. Uh, why, would, why, why should we start now, as they say? I'm your host, Dave McHugh, as we get things rolling here soon. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can always email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots of ways to communicate with us. We hope you'll take advantage of them. Thanks for tuning in. So the audio is a little bit weird, and we'll get it fixed is the best we can do. But, hey, here we are. We're on air. I'm Dave McHugh. Welcome in. Crazy, absolutely insane um, season uh, or, or holiday break. Uh, I <laughs> I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. Um, losses plenty. Uh, losses all over the place. Um we're used to having a season when we get a lot of those kinds of results. It, it's not unheard of, certainly, um, for us. I remember a couple of years ago, I don't remember how far back it was, Virginia Wesleyan was, I think, the number one team in the country, lost three during the holiday break. And I know we rushed to get the top 25 out because we needed a change. Listen, the number one teams didn't lose, but, oh, boy, did it come close a couple times. Uh, in the last few weeks, even on the women's side, things got a little bit nip and tuck since we last talked. So anything's possible, and we just have to realize that sometimes. Uh, again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we are streaming as well. I see Rick Minton has sent us a few emails. Rick, I will try and get to those. Uh, he might just be giving me his overall impression on things. I'll certainly try and read through those at some point. Got an email earlier from somebody wanting us to talk about Middlebury and the NESCAC. We'll certainly try and do that. We'll give you a quick synopsis on who's on the show tonight if you haven't seen all of our tweets this evening. By the way, I know there's some NFL football going on. I was going to watch some of that NFL football while we were doing this, but then I realized smartly that I don't want to use the, uh, the um, Internet for that one. We want to dedicate it here. It's the simple things in life. Um, anyway, so my point being, we'll start off with Guilford's men's basketball coach, Tom Palumbo reason we invited them on. Well, they knocked off number two Emery on a last second three point shot. I'm going to give Ryan a little bit of a hard time later. He had messaged in our Slack system, um, that it was a step over mid court. It was more like a step behind the three point line by the time that thing, uh, launched, but they beat him. Crazy thing. They lost to Hampton Sydney this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll talk about that with Tom Palumbo. We'll also talk in men's basketball in to uh, who was it? Oh yeah, Stevens men's basketball. They're in the uh, Atlantic region now. They're in the MAC Freedom now. They are playing pretty well, and today nearly knocked off Swarthmore. That's the second team in a week to nearly knock off Swarthmore. I'm not changing my number one vote. I'm not that surprised that one, Swarthmore comes out of a break and a long break with a couple of tough games. And second, everyone's gunning for him. So I'm, I'm again, not surprised. Good teams, too. Rochester and Stevens. We shouldn't really all be that surprised that Swarthmore is going to get a bit of a test. 
Uh, Swarthmore is about the only top 25 of the team that didn't lose, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And then on the women's side, we'll go to the Northeast and we'll talk New Mac women's basketball with Smith. They are undefeated at 12 and 0. Surprise, surprise. We'll talk to Lynn Hearsay, uh, or Hearsay about that. Something that I think is, is, is something we need to talk about too is by the way, we're into January now. And so that means on Sundays and Thursdays, we now break up the regions in the past. We've gotten guests from all four regions on I, to start <laughs> this part of the season. We're not going to do that. Uh, we'll do our best to get three out of the four for the most part. Thursdays, we may have a better chance at all four, but that's another topic for another time. Cause we do have the WBCA center court segment on those days. But my bigger point being, um, and by the way, I think I might know one of the reasons the, the mic might be acting up. We'll look at it later. Um, one of the bigger reasons for what I'm trying to describe is basically that um, we can't, we're still trying to stay in our two hour window. I know we go slightly over. We, we want to talk to every single region, as many conferences and as many teams as possible. So we split things up at this point. And so on Sundays, you'll hear from guests in the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central regions. On Thursdays, you're going to hear guests from the East, the Mid-Atlantic, the Great Lakes, and the West region, and occasionally South, depending on timing. Because the ASC, for example, the SCAC even, uh, SAA, some of the uh, USA South, depending on schedules, sometimes our guests are on the road Sundays. So, eh, kind of, kind of tough, as they say. So we will try and tackle um, the, uh, the, the all the all the all the regions as best we can. There's no guarantee. By the way, I just jumped into the Facebook simulcast, folks, so if you've asked me a question in there, I haven't seen it. Uh, I don't think I have, to be honest with you. I'm looking in here to see, and I don't see anybody necessarily having seen it, so I won't worry about it, but just an FYI. We're also simulcasting on YouTube tonight, uh, seamlessly. <laughs> I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. People know the joke. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. Anyway, um, so that's how we divvy it up. And at least for a while, we may not get to every single region with a guest. I want to feel this out, figure it out. If necessary, especially on Sundays when we get Bob and Ryan and, or, or just one of them, uh, we may need to extend the show slightly. We'll see. Um, it also depends on my ability to do a show that long, to be blunt. As many of you know, I'm still dealing with some back issues. Turns out <laughs> surgery uh, uh, didn't solve everything. That's another story for another time. <laughs> anyway, um, we're, we're, we'll see where it goes. If we need to extend time and make sure we get all four regions with a guest in like we have in the past, we'll make that effort and do so. Let's just see where things go in the meantime. So again, tonight, we'll primarily be talking Northeast Atlantic, South, and Central. Bob Quillman and, Bob and Ryan Scott will be on the show later, so we'll certainly tap dance into the Central region, even though we don't have a guest tonight on there. All right, so there's there's that. We got that business done, as it were. Um, I do see people in the uh, YouTube. Hello, Mark. Uh, Seattle, 17-9 on Philadelphia in the 4th. Uh, audio on YouTube is good. Well, thank you, Mark. Appreciate the assistance on that. You just sometimes never know. You just never know. Um, all right, so let's talk about what happened. First off, D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas. The women's side was outstanding. We had a couple of games on the on the last full day that didn't 
really materialize like we, we would hope, but that happens. You, you can't expect great games all the way across. If Scranton fans are listening, hear me out. Scranton's not the number two team in the country. They're not the number f- top five team in the country. They're probably top 10. I like what they've got. I think Coach Palillo's got a good system there. They're building into it. They've got an awesome defense. I mean, they held George Fox pretty low scoring despite the fact George Fox beat them. But they're not the best team in the country. Or they're not, not a top five team. They're good. They're good. And I and here's Scranton. Hear me out on this too. Tufts, I don't think, is the number one team in the country. And I don't think DeSales is the number 10 team in the country. I think there needs to be a shakeup on the women's top 25 this week. I think people need to reevaluate everything. The problem with that is George Fox comes into the D3hoops.com classic, beats Scranton ultimately by about 10 points. It was closer than that for most of the game, but they they had an insane first quarter and, and then kind of pulled away later in the game as well. And then they went and just dominated uh, in their next game in, in a game I thought would be competitive. Not a, not a loss for George Fox, but competitive against University of New England. And we'll get back to University of New England in a minute. University of New England, up until a couple days ago, hadn't beaten a top 25 team or been close to it. So I thought, okay, George Fox is a top five team. The the team's great. And then they lost to Willamette. Like, what? How how does that happen? And I don't don't have an answer for you. I have not talked to Michael Capolino. By the way, great to see him in Vegas. Still taking me some time, Coach, to get used to you being at George Fox. He came up to me. I saw him. I said, hey, Coach. And I was a little stunned because I was like, wait, who am I talking to? Oh, that's Coach Capolino. What's he doing here? Oh, that's right. He's with the George Fox team. And, folks, I do know that. I do my game sheets. I do my prep work. I do all of that. But in the moment when you see somebody, you're thrown off. Another example of that, Amherst is, is uh, doing their practices the day I'm setting up ahead of our two games on the opening day. And great to see Coach GP Grimacki, great to see the team. One of his assistants go by. She says, hey, Dave. I look over. I say, hey, I know her. I've seen her many for many years. Great to see her. Great to see her. How you doing? Wait a minute. What is she doing here? I've known her to be on the Muhlenberg team for the last bunch of years, and I had totally forgotten, at least in that moment, that she was now an assistant coach at Amherst. Um, by the way, just to make the embarrassment full for you, Great to chat with her dad on Twitter during the tournament. Uh, Maybe he's tuned in tonight. If not, sir, it was great chatting with you. Thanks for the kind words. So sometimes you just get thrown off. And remember, we had four teams at that D3Hoops.com Classic who had all lost coaches in the offseason, a few of them to D1 programs. And so there was a, a little bit of change that we all had to get used to. Anyway, my bigger point was George Fox goes in, looks awesome. I think they're a top five program. They deserve it. Scranton's a, maybe a top 10 to sales. I, I like them, but they're going to struggle on offense. They're probably a top 15. And then Willamette trips up George Fox and you sit there going, what? And now the women can start, women's voters can start to feel a little bit like the men's voters. I have no idea what they're going to do with George Fox. On the women's side of the top 25, Tufts barely gets past Christopher Newport during the break, and I mean barely. They won 70-65, to 65, and Christopher Newport is not the team of the last few years. They're good, but they're not great. Uh, they did go and then smoke uh, New Jersey City, not New Jersey City, uh, TCNJ, and then they smoked Mass Dartmouth. Great, but I still don't think Tufts is the best team in the country. 
Scranton had a crazy tournament. Remember, they they were they'd only played like seven, six games coming in. Uh, they they played Elmira, Misericordia, Rosemont, George Fox, and St. Vincent, all in that span. Their only losses to George Fox. They're eleven and one. But I'll be honest, I think they're a top ten team. I don't think they're a top five team. Bowden got it by unscathed, though Chapman gave them a scare. Hope had a pretty good uh, holiday, though trying not surprisingly played them close. But Hope, listen, I'm, I'm Coach Morehouse. Please listen to me when I say this. You're playing Finlandia. North Park and Trine, and North Park's been good, don't get me wrong, but you're playing Finlandia. What are we getting out of that? I really think teams like Hope Women have got to do something like come to the D3Hoops.com Classic, maybe go to Nashville, go somewhere, maybe go to the Wartburg Tournament, improve improve the out-of-conference scheduling. I know the reasons that Hope will explain why they have some challenges, and, and all due respect to to wanting to play some of those local schools or whatever the case may be, we got to improve. We can't be playing Finlandia. Um, Mary Harden Baylor actually lost two. They're nine and three, though they also beat Illinois Wesleyan, but lost to Austin, beat Ozarks, and then lost to Texas Dallas. So there's another hodgepodge of a, of a guess. Amherst, listen, look good at six. They beat the sales somewhat handily. They beat Keene State. Unfortunately, somewhat handily, they beat Redlands easily. Well, not easily. They they won by eight, but that was coming off of a, a bit of a challenge. Two games travel and then Redlands. And then barely got past Chapman, then came home. The next day played Widener. It wasn't even close. And then beat Stevens. Wasn't even close. I think Amherst is a top five team, but they're not the best team in the country. Wartburg had a really good week. Um, they destroyed Baldwin Wallace, but had a close game against Lacrosse. I don't know what to make of them. DePaul at least came out unscathed. George Fox, we mentioned, lost to Willamette, 50 to 45. I think Gordon's had lowest output since 2014 at 45 points. Insane. Um, DeSales lost twice, not only to Amherst, but they also lost to Cabrini. DeSales, again, maybe a top 15 team, maybe a top 20. Lacrosse, as we mentioned, beat WashU, beat Oshkosh, but had the loss to Wartburg. Messiah would love to have the holidays back. They lost to Mass Boston, but Mass Boston also has only one loss on their record. Though it's a strange loss, don't get me wrong. It's the craziest loss you've ever seen. But Mass Boston apparently having a good season. But then Messiah lost to Emerson in overtime. Whitman had a good week. Baldwin Wallace we mentioned already. Augsburg played one game. St. Thomas, wow, they're not eight and three. Uh, barely got past Concordia Moorhead, um, but lost to Whitewater. Marymount, I think Marymount's good, but they have got to play consistent. They lost to center, then beat Lynchburg and Kings, and then lost to Catholic. By the way, Catholic's better than people are giving them credit for. Whitewater had a great holiday. Chicago went undefeated. Gustavus Adolphus Trinity Loris went undefeated, and so did Bethel. Widener had the one loss. It was to Amherst. And then the receiving votes category, two losses for WashU, two losses for Platteville, a loss for Albion, a loss for Illinois Wesleyan, a loss for East Texas Baptist, two for North Park, two for Puget Sound, Two for Claremont Mud Scripps. I saw them out there. They're a good team. Um, their game against DeSales, I think, proved they were they're definitely a top 25 team, but then they lost to Whittier. So you go figure that one out. Uh, Catholic, as good as they are, did lose to Mary Washington. I don't know how good Mary Washington is. Ohio Northern lost. John Carroll lost. Just craziness. And then you flip to the men's side, and it's even crazier. Swarthmore, as we mentioned, barely gets past Rochester by three and barely gets past Stevens by three this week. Emory loses to Guilford on a, on a last-second shot. By the way, stop the man coming up the court, will you? I can't tell you how many people don't do that. Um, 
Wittenberg won, but I'm I'm not blown away. Uh, a 17-point win over of Hanover, a 30-point win over Elmira, okay. But then a 7-point win over Ohio Northern, and Kenyon played them tight. I'm not blown away by Wittenberg. I can't figure it out. Middlebury's still undefeated. To be honest, I'm not blown away that, with that either. Yeah, they beat Springfield by three, but you, I don't know. I, I, I'm missing something with Middlebury. We're probably going to have to get them on to get the explanation. St. Thomas played one. They got that. Marietta lost to Salisbury. Huh? Right? I mean, Salisbury and York go out to Worcester, and they both on the opening night win, and it's a classic, so they're not going to play each other, the conference opponents. Um, but <laughs> totally confusing. Um, Salisbury's good, but we'll talk about that game later. Randolph-Macon had a good week on or holidays. Nebraska-Wesleyan lost to River Falls. I then saw River Falls in uh, Vegas. They're good. They're not great. And that's not a knock on River Falls. We're going to say that about a lot of men's teams. Uh, Wash U lost to Milliken in the what the heck category. Milliken won 63-61 in that game. Uh, Babson lost to Eastern Connecticut. Johns Hopkins lost to Stevens. That's one of the reasons we're having Stevens on the show. Wentworth lost to John Carroll and Worcester. I, 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 Whitworth came out of that weekend 0-2. By the way, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't remember where... Well, well, no, that's that's right. I have those teams right. Sorry, Whitworth was out there at the same event as, as Salisbury, New York. Lacrosse lost to Oshkosh. Huh? It just makes your head scratch. Carthage, 50% uh, holiday week. Lost to uh, beat Albright Birmingham Southern, lost to Olivet and Augustana. Benedictine lost to Concordia, Chicago. That was right before we went off the air at the holidays. Then beat Marion. It's just, and again, Guilford beat Emory. Lost to Hamden, Sydney by two. Uh, Hamilton, I watched that game. Lost to Utica 104-97 in the absolutely wackiest result I've saw. A lot of fouls. Neither team adjusted to the officials. you got to adjust, folks. There's no excuse. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan lost to Wash U, lost to Concordia, Texas. By the way, uh, Ron Rose got ejected in that game. I'd love to hear from him what happened there. Not from Bob. I want to hear from Ron Rose. But then they beat, barely get past Sol Ross State, and then they beat Milligan, who beat Wash U. I mean, come on. Worcester, okay, look good. You beat Brockport. You beat Keene State. You beat Whitworth. Lost to Ohio Wesley. North Central at least came out of everything fine, but they also beat Wheaton in overtime. And don't even get started in the receiving votes category. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven teams did not lose. Oshkosh lost twice. Virginia Wesleyan lost to Lynchburg. Stevens Point lost twice. They're nine and three. Springfield lost to Middlebury. We mentioned that one earlier. Augsburg lost to St. John's. Rochester lost to Swarthmore. That's the only game they played. Widener lost the only two games they played. Lafayette, granted, not a Division III team, but then lost to Christopher Newport. Nichols lost to Emerson and Tufts. Wheaton lost to Hanover and North Central. Their only win was to St. Mary's. Uh, Whitman lost to Mary Harden, Baylor, and Letourneau, beat Puget Sound and Pacific Lutheran. Mount Union beat Heidelberg. Augustana beat, or, or lost to Heidelberg. Augustana lost to Lacrosse. Mary Harden, Baylor lost to Texas Dallas. And East Texas Baptist lost to Stevens Point. I hope you foul because there will be a test at home. It's insane. Hello, John. I just saw your message on Facebook. How are you doing, sir? Mark says Finlandia is joining MIAA. I may be wrong. They're affiliate member in football. Mark, I think you're wrong. 
There's no reason Finlandia is joining the MIAA, and if they if it if they would have, it would have already happened. I don't see any reason the MIA is going to bring in Finlandia. None. The only way uh, Finlandia is better fit to the UMAC. I know they tap danced with that, but no. The reason Hope's playing Finlandia is because it's close and it's an easy win. To be blunt, um, but Finlandia is not joining the MIAA. Uh, to be honest, if if Finlandia joined the MIAA then the MIAA has had some poor excuses not to accept other applicants that I know have applied to that, conf- to that conference. That's just my two cents. Um, Brendan Casey says it's January 5, and every CCIW men's team already has at least one conference loss. Also, how about the Elmer's buzzer beater last night? Yeah, Elmer's had a – I mean, that's the, that's the craziness of about all this. Is Well, granted, we don't expect CCIW teams to go undefeated anymore, period. Even if they go to the end of the season, they're going to lose in the last weekend, right? Um, but right, you're, you're getting some wacky results, uh, period across the board. It's, it's absolutely insane how this has all worked out over time. It just insane. By the way, uh, Mark to confirm, uh, I now have a source in the MIA that says Finlandia is not joining the MIAA. So Mark, forget about it. Yeah. I may have ripped on. Hope playing fin, uh, Finlandia, and I'm going to stay with that topic, but it's not because Finlandia is joining that conference. That is not happening. Finlandia doesn't fit that conference, plain and simple. Unfortunately, they don't fit a lot of the conference or a lot of conferences. That's that's a really unfortunate thing. Um, and yeah, and as my source points out, the reason Finlandia is in the MIA for football is because they need eight teams to help with scheduling. Um, kind of a no-brainer. Kind of a no-brainer. All right, we got to take a break. Here are our guests as a reminder again if you're just tuning in. Right up next, we'll talk to Guilford Men's Basketball about their crazy week, the win over Emory, and then the loss to Hamden Sydney. And Hamden Sydney is a shell of its program of what we remember in its heyday. Doesn't mean it can't get back there. They're not there now. Then coming up, we'll talk uh, also continue men's basketball, and we will talk uh, to Stevens out of the Atlantic region. Nearly uh, did knock off Johns Hopkins and nearly knocked off Swarthmore. And then in the Northeast, the women's will talk Smith and then Smith women's basketball. They're undefeated at 12-0. and 0, And then Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott joins us. Hope you follow that all along. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Hoops Hope. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Broadcasting on our broadcast partners, Blue Flame, Te- Blue Frame Technology. We've got more coming up after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. 
It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Yeah, didn't see the commercial in there. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to communicate with us. We hope you'll take advantage of them. Uh, Mark now realizing that maybe his news about Finlandia was a rumor. It, it was. Trust me, there were other choices I think the MIA could have chosen, and they turned them down far better than Finlandia would have been, and I think technically closer. Finlandia is not the easiest place to get to to say the least. We're simulcasting on Facebook Live as well, and we're also spice, uh, simulcasting on YouTube. We're also on air, of course, via the Team One Sports app on your favorite OTT device, whether that's Android TV or Google Play, whatever you want to call it. I'm really not one of those phone systems, so I don't know it well. Uh, we're also on Amazon Fire. We're also on Apple um, TV and uh, Roku TV. Lots of ways you can find us and watch us on the big screen. As it were, I know my family watches me on the big screen, though they might be watching the football game if it's not over yet. 
All right, so men's basketball. To to sum up the wackiness, and we talked about it at the beginning of the show of this season and what we've gotten used to in te- in terms of parity. And what I'll say, and we'll talk more about this. GP Gramacki saying to me, "You could be a really good team and on an off night still beat everybody. You can't do that anymore." And in men's basketball, we know that for sure. So Guilford goes out, knocks off Emory on a buzzer beater about thirty feet out. Well, even less than that, about thirty feet out. Beat Emory on a buzzer beater and then get conference play rolling. And then they lose to Hamden Sydney and Hamden Sydney has not been the powerhouse it's been over the years. Of course, the coach certainly knows the ODAC well, and maybe that has something to do with it. But joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Guilford Quakers. It is Tom Palumbo and coach, as always, first and foremost, thanks for joining me and Happy New Year. Yeah, happy new year to you, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, your time, especially coming off a tough loss. Nothing to your SID Dave Waters, who who pulled out the jinx card on me. Um, hey, what do you make of being able to knock off the number two team in the country at their place on a nice buzzer beater, and then travel to Hampton, Sydney, and and not get it done? Well, you know, I think first, you know, Hampton, Sydney, uh, they got a really good team. You know, they didn't do well last year, but Caleb. Uh, you know, Caleb's got those guys rolling. They've won six in a row. They've got two really good big guys inside. And, and while we didn't have our best day, I think, you know, you credit them for, I mean, they played with a lot of energy. Their two big guys played really well. They, you know, the, the rebounding numbers were even. So, but I, but I feel like they dominated us rebounding wise because we missed so many shots and, and they were able to get a bunch of defensive rebounds on, uh, on those plays. So I think you give them a, and you give them a lot of credit uh, for what they were able to do at, on on their home court. You know, they defended their home court in the league, which you know in our league is it's it's you know as you're well aware that, that from top to bottom, uh, you know there's a lot of parity in that. And I think <laughs> just about any team can, especially when they're at home, can really uh, can really rise up. And uh, but I I don't know if it was that with them. I think they're they're good. I mean, he's got a really good team. They defended really well. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a, it was a knockdown game. That's for sure. Yeah. Again, you mentioned the coaching change we did as well, Caleb, uh, a former player, uh, you might know kind of well, <laughs> taking over the program yeah. there. He did. He coached with me for six years. As yeah, well, so. exactly. Uh, what was it like to see him on the other sideline in a conference game? I mean, I think you may have run into him a few times in his old stomping grounds, but, and of course he was nearby, but to, to take him on in a, in a conference game has got to be a little bit different. Yeah, really proud of Caleb. I mean, I knew he would do a do a great job, and uh, in, in a short amount of time, he's done uh, he's done wonders there. He under, he understands what it takes to be successful and how to build the program, and he's going to be patient with it. And I think he's brought that brought that team along, and they're going to get nothing but better. And then he's going to make that program better from year to year with his recruiting and the way he'll run the program, the kind of people he'll get in the program, and they'll buy in and. You know, I think I heard you mention they haven't been the powerhouse they have been in the past, and I think in a, in a, in the very near future you'll you'll see them as being the powerhouse they've been in the past. Well, to give no it, doubt in my mind. I'm proud of Caleb. He's done a great job. Sure, played under Coach uh, Palumbo, and we should point out they lost five of their first six, but are on a six-game winning streak. Now let's back up a little bit. You did beat Emory at their place. The irony being, you had them at your place at the beginning of the season. I don't think there's any truth to the rumors that the Emory's joining the ODAC anytime soon. Um, you lost that one at the beginning by uh, 22. This one's a nip and tuck at their place. Obviously, a lot changes in the time frame between November 9th and and December 30th. But what was the ability? Did you think that you guys had that you took advantage of to get past uh, Emory in that game the other night? 
That was great because, you know, when they beat us at home, you know, they beat us by 22. It wasn't even that close. I mean, he, he really he backed off the last five minutes. I mean, they probably could have scored 110 on us and beat us really, really bad. They were <laughs> clicking. They were playing really well. And we were uh, we were not prepared for what they were, they were doing to us. Um, you know, I think the second time around, you know, we, 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 we got them on the second day, just like we were on the second day. So you're playing a, you know, you're playing a back-to-back with, uh, obviously a lot less prep time. Um, you know, I thought we defended better, but we rebounded it as well as we have all year long. I thought, you know, I talked to Jason after the game, thought that was really the key that they only had like four offensive rebounds. We were able to, cause I mean, they're really big and, and really physical and go to the glass really hard, really hard to keep them off the glass. And we did a, we did a tremendous job of just, we controlled the glass, which which allowed us to control the tempo because they want to run and and really score quickly, and we kind of want to grind it out and and defend, and and we were able to get the tempo uh, the way we wanted it to. And then you know at the same time, you know it's it's a one point game, obviously mm-hmm. at the, at the end, and even and it changed Lee changes hands three times in the last fourteen seconds, so it's pretty. Uh, you know we're down one, we make a layup with with fourteen seconds uh, to go up one. They come down, hit a three. Go up two, and there's three seconds left, and of course we hit one at the you know Jalen hits one at the buzzer, and we win by one. So, yeah, it was a pretty obviously a, a down to the wire game. Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting? Listen, you're a team that gets all the way to the Elite Eight. Listen, knock on the door of getting to the Final Four last year. Uh, a really good squad. You, you seem to get this team rolling at just the right time. What jumps out at me is you lost some key pieces there, and you only have two seniors on this team. I'm not looking too far ahead, but you know that means a lot of you know that that's got some good you know hints at what we're going to see for the time to come. It seems like you got the Quakers kind of back into that conversation, and maybe for a few years here. Yeah, I really like our team. You know, I like how we approach every day, and uh, you know we had the big win at Emory, and you know we celebrated that win and enjoyed it, but it, you know it didn't define our next day of practice, and and. And losing yesterday, you know, it won't define how we go about our business uh, tomorrow as we get ready for Farron. You can't, I mean, you can't do that. I think that's a dangerous game to play. I mean, we try to stay, you know, we try to stay on an even keel and, and just keep looking forward and keep, you know, you can't look at what's happened in the past and really have anything to do with, uh, with the next day. So I really like how our guys uh, approach that. You know, yesterday was unfortunate, but, but like I said, you got to give them credit for how they played. But, I really like our guys. I think we've uh, we've got a good team. We haven't rebounded as well as we have our teams. This, this team has not what, what we've been able to do in the past has not rebounded as well. But I think we showed signs of that at Emory, uh, and I think we're coming around in that department. But uh, yeah, I think moving forward this year, I'm hoping we can continue to uh, continue to improve every day and get better because you know in the league, obviously, you don't go to Farum and and they've been rolling, and and I don't think you. Uh, you know, especially going on the road, all these games in our in our league are just just really tough, as they have been from a lot of the years you know, that I've been in the league. One quick look back at the past: How much is last year's run? Not only what you did in the postseason, but what you did in the last half of last year into the N- and uh, ODAC and the NCAA postseasons. How much is that fueling this team? At least knowing what they can do. Yeah, I think we have a lot of guys who have that experience of, you know, we started off really poorly last year. Um, You know, we were really bad at the beginning of the year. And uh, even middle of the year, we started to hit our stride. Then kind of, you know, that end of January, February, had a a tough loss. And then, you know, we rebounded. But, you know, last game of the season, WNL really put it on us at home uh, on our senior day. And, you know, we were heading into the ODAC tournament playing Emory and Henry, which is, you know, they were the seventh seed. and They could have been a two seed. 
uh, playing them, and, and we had really three really tough games in the ODEP. I thought that's when we really hit our stride. You know, I wish I knew what that formula was. <laughs> we played really well in the ODEP tournament. We played really well in the first and second rounds yeah. against uh, Sewanee and Wittenberg. Played really well against St. Thomas. We played really well against Oshkosh too. I mean, we had a great uh, we had a great last three weeks to the season, and uh, you know, hopefully we can we can continue to get better this year, and, and hopefully things. But but every year is different. You know, the kids are different. You know, we have Carson Long. We don't have you know, we have Marcus Curry and you know Justin Miller, Trent Wells. Those are guys who didn't get to play, but we're in, in the in the locker room, kind of stabilizing the environment. And uh, you know, those guys are gone, and it's time for for other guys to kind of to to move that along and and make everyone understand. Hey, you know, uh, things like yesterday. Uh, you know, you got to try to avoid those. Try to avoid those when you can. You know, having a having a game like we had to score fifty two points was uh, was difficult. It was difficult to <laughs> difficult to swallow. Yeah, I know. I don't know many games where you only put up fifty two. Uh, sometimes that's a halftime score. Um, curious about the ODAC. You you talked about it earlier. We certainly know about the parity. Randolph Macon right now in control. They're twelve and 4 and zero in the conference. Lynchburg those three and one, though eight and five overall. But they're three and one in second. Virginia Wesleyan, Roanoke, Hampton, Sydney, Shenandoah all two and one. You and Bridgewater at two and two. Um, it, it it feels like it might be a little more helter skelter than even I expected. I kind of expected there'd be a top tier. Maybe you guys. Randolph Megan, maybe somebody else, but you know Virginia Wesleyan seems to be back in this. It seems, you know, early on, it's Hampton Sydney's up there. What do we make of this conference this year? Yeah, I think there's some really good defensive teams in the league. I haven't seen everyone yet. Um, you know, Hampton Sydney, I thought played great defense yesterday. Randolph Megan is obviously playing tremendous defense. We played Virginia Wesleyan; they're guarding very well, rebounding very well. Um, so you've got a lot of teams that can. You know that can really guard you. Um, you know, I saw that Lynchburg had a, had a great win over uh, over Virginia Wesleyan yesterday, and they they can really score. Um, they've got some guys who can really shoot it. So I, you know, I think probably Randolph making right now is uh, you know probably maybe a, a cut above uh, the rest of us. And but you know, on any night, you know that doesn't mean that one of us can't go in there and yeah. and beat those guys or somebody else beat us. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's going to work its way out. I think a lot of it is. As you go through the league, you know, and teams you either get on a roll the right way or the wrong way, and it's how do you how do you either maintain that you know maintain that standard of of how you're approaching things and, and things are going well, or when they go south on you, can you can you turn it around or do you hang your head and it can snowball on you quick, especially if you look at the schedule and you'd be like, oh man, I got to go on the road Wednesday to X school and then I got to go on the road Saturday to the other school, and you can't. Uh, yeah, you can't look at it like that. You've got to you've got to try to approach every day like, hey, we're trying to get better and we're preparing for what's right in front of us. Quickly, your team: Kyler Gregory, the senior, leading the way, fifteen points a game. Liam Ward, a sophomore. Jordan Davis, a sophomore. Uh, Tyler Dearman, a freshman, and Jalen Gore, a junior. All double digits. Dearman and Gore knocking on double digits. You got five legitimate scores there. Gregory, by the way, leading the team at just a shade under uh, double digits and rebounds as well. Give us a sense of who you've got and, and, and the depth or where you've got depth on this squad. Yeah, you know, Kyler's uh, been a mainstay for us. He's a great uh, grand, end of the year last year in the ODAC tournament and the uh, in the NCAA tournament. He's been battling a bad ankle all year long, which has kind of held him back a little bit, but we're hoping to, that he can progress through that as uh, as things go along. I think Jalen Gore has really emerged as a – was a really, you know, really good leader for us, and a guy who can, who can kind of, he, he really stay, you know, he really, he really leads the team. He's done, a, he's done a really good job with that. 
Jordan Davis is a really explosive player. Like we have not had too many guys uh, mm. like him. We missed him. We missed him yesterday. You know, he missed the game because of concussion, and oh. we really missed what he can do. Uh, what he can do for us because he's really a guy who can he can break down the defense and get his own shot, but he can get other people involved and uh, really quick, really athletic, really a smart player. Um, you know, Joel Logan's been a great defender for us. I mean, we, we've got some. We've obviously got the pieces. It's just a matter of you know maintaining that standard and and coming every day and and when you have an off day uh you know shooting wise or whatever that you're able to overcome that with with what you can do defensively and rebounding wise i think our guys understand that but it's different there's a difference between understanding it and then and then going out there and and getting it and uh you know you mentioned liam ward he's really improved from last year we've asked him to play a new position and he's really uh he's really done a great job with that kind of he's really thriving in that role really proud of him now, a little bit of an off-the-wall question. Uh, people know my kind of point of view sometimes on the on the split duty of a coach and, a, and an AD, which you did for a bit of time there at Guilford. You're now just the coach uh, for a few years now. My conspiracy is Guilford's back in this conversation because you've now gotten the ability to just focus on what you need to focus on with the team. Is that fair? Is that maybe what we're seeing represented because you're not – distracted with the ad responsibilities or is it something else i don't know man we you know i was the ad and we went to back-to-back final fours in true. nine and ten that's know? true so, <laughs> I, I don't i uh, don't say that my conspiracy is foolproof no no no, no. <laughs> it, it, it is it is different yeah it's different it allows me to uh i mean obviously you know all my attention now is on is on basketball and the team and uh being able to, to spend a lot more time with uh you know ronnie thomas my assistant and marcus curry is an assistant with us this year having a Having to spend, being able to spend more time with those guys and going over what you know what we feel like is best for the team, playing in practice and watching more film and, and being able to get to practice early and interact with the guys rather than just having a meeting and scrambling and running and sprinting to get to practice. I mean, sure, it's 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 way different. I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy it way more uh, because I can spend time with with the guys and and like I said, I really enjoy I enjoy this team. I've really enjoyed the last several teams that. Uh, that we've had just being around the guys with the kind of people we have in the program makes it fun to uh, makes it fun to come to work every day. So now you're, you're right. It, it's way different. And uh, I, don't, I don't know that it makes us any better, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's more fun for me. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. I like that theory. Uh, you've had some great teams over the years. Fun to see you guys in the spot you're in. Uh, I do know all teams kind of go through waves as well. So, it, you know, it's maybe a little too simplistic to just talk about the AD side. But great to have you on. Appreciate the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, man, thanks for all you do. You know, I know everybody says that. And I always say that, too. But we really do appreciate putting uh, Division Three basketball in the spotlight. And, uh, hey, it's like I texted uh, Jason the other day when we played at Emory. I said, we might have won that game, but, but that Emory logo right in the center of that court was all over Sports Center. A bunch of different Sports Centers. Everybody's talking about Emory and Guilford. So that's got to help a little bit. So. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. There's a reason you put the logo in the middle of the floor, is it not? That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, awesome. Hey, thanks for the time. As always, good luck. We'll talk to you down the road and have fun sounds good thanks a lot dave awesome. appreciate it dave palumbo joining us uh tom palumbo joining us on the blue frame technology hoopsville hotline i was thinking about dave walters the sid there at guilford for his help always appreciate it and bob Lowe and everybody else in the guilford um sid uh, office appreciate everybody's time uh, odak race is gonna be crazy folks i have a feeling we're gonna be talking to virginia wesley i know we'll be talking to randolph macon um, heck, at this point, if Caleb Kimbrough keeps doing what he's doing in Hamden-Sydney, we're going to be talking to him. There's a lot to talk about in the ODAC, and the women's race, not too shabby itself either. 
Uh, ODAC race, always fun. And I think sometimes, even though it's, it's, a, it's always been a top five considerated or considered conference, though in the last couple of years, I think it dipped a little bit because the, the middle and the bottom wasn't as competitive. I think they're back. They're always in that conversation. But even as a top five, I think they're under the radar. They don't always pop up until people don't realize they're there. And so keep an eye on the ODAC. It, it is good brand of basketball with a ton of different varieties. And I think that's what makes it so much fun. You're not going to see the same thing from everybody. You kind of see the same thing from everybody in the WIAC. You kind of see the same thing from everybody in other conferences. The ODAC, it's a hodgepodge. Everybody's got a different point of view. Everyone's got a different system. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll jump up the East Coast, go to New Jersey, talk to Stevens about jumping from the East region to the Atlantic and jumping from the Empire 8 to the Mac Freedom and almost jumping Swarthmore today. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. 
I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening, back from the holiday break. 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 Easy word for me to say. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville or YouTube, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting on the last two uh, options, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we do have an Instagram. It's D3Hoopsville, though we don't interact during the show there. It's a little challenging. I guess we can technically through our Facebook app. So I guess if you had a question, you could certainly try it there. Um, by the way, uh, Mike Eastman was funny. Um, I think he was being funny. Uh, we were talking about all the craziness in men's basketball. Of course, Emory, you know, defeating uh, Emory and then losing to Hamden Sydney. We talked earlier about Stevens knocking off Johns Hopkins and then nearly knocking off Swarthmore. And, and we talked about all the other results in men's and women's basketball and how crazy he writes. Uh, maybe there's a lot of parody in D3 hoops. I hope he was being funny because, yeah, I think we've been talking about parody for a while. So at least, Mike, you made me smile. I appreciate that. Speaking of Stevens, again, a team I don't think a lot of people are talking about. First off, making the shift and now in the, uh, in the uh, MAC Commonwealth, it is their third conference since 20, 2007 when they were in the left the final year of the Skyline, then entered the Empire 8 for, oh, let's just double check. They were there 11 seasons. Now they're in the MAC Freedom. Not surprised by that, but still some changes, and they're now in the Atlantic region. What does this all mean for the Ducks, who are 9-2? and two. Two, of their la two of their losses come in the last four games, but... They lost to Middlebury by 10, beat uh, TCNJ by 20, beat Johns Hopkins the next night after TCNJ by 7, and then today nearly knock off the number one team in the country, losing to Swarthmore, 74-71 on their home gym. That's a lot to kind of take in. What does it all mean? Well, I'm not the expert usually unless I'm talking to other coaches because the coaches give us all the intel. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is I said coach, Bobby Hurley, joining us from Stevens. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Happy New Year. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Listen, again, you guys kind of flying under the radar, no pun intended with the Ducks. Um, you beat New Jersey City to start the season. You've, you've beaten a pretty decent Skidmore team, a pretty decent Catholic team. Yeah, lost to Middlebury back in December, but beat TCNJ and Johns Hopkins and then have a really good game today against Swarthmore. What is that resume telling us, or what isn't it telling us? Well, we're, we're just excited because I think we're getting better every game. You know, we, we, we knew we'd have a veteran group this year and, you know, wanted to go out and, and, and schedule some really good programs. And, and, and luckily, we, we've, we've competed at a high level and we're able to, you know, play pretty well in our non-conference schedule. The, the, the non-conference obviously important. You're, you're shifting to a new conference, and we'll talk about that. You're shifting into a 
new region, and, and we'll certainly tackle that as well. But how challenging it was for you to kind of refresh your mind and remind yourself how many games you had to schedule in the non-conference, and what was your plan going into this year? Um, the plan was to just kind of schedule the, the best teams we could. Um, obviously, you always want to, you know, build a good strength of schedule um, just because at the end of the year, I think that's, that's weighted pretty heavily. Um, so we just wanted to go out and find teams that, that would help that strength of schedule. Um, I think we did a pretty good job, and, you know, credit to our student-athletes that they competed, you know, and to finish our, our uh, non-conference schedule 9-2, and two, you know, we, we couldn't be happier. Um, yes, the, we, we can go in circles about the SOS's weight, uh, as, you, as you fully know. You're also in a different region. Did that have anything in your mind, understanding the differences in the East and Atlantic region, how pe- teams are ranked and such? Or is it, is it essentially the same game? Because ultimately, if you need an at-large or you're trying to bid yourself into a home game in the tournament, it's your overall resume, not necessarily the region you're coming out of. Yeah, I don't think that made any um, real difference to us. I think maybe now the importance of, of winning against the NJAC, you know, might play a little more into these to, to stuff this year. Um, but really it was just try to go out and find the, the, the best teams, you know, that we can compete against. Middlebury back on December 8th before you guys took your break for finals and the holidays. A tough loss at home, 76-66. Of course, that leaves a bad taste in the mouth a little bit for the holidays and finals. What did that game mean to, the, to you guys, and what were you saying to the team out of that? We, we um, that, that was a great game for us. Um, we had great, um, great parts of the game, and then we had some bad parts. And, and we really watched that film quite a bit after that loss. Um, and I think it helped open our guys' eyes a little bit. So, like, we could compete with, you know, a lot of these top teams. And, you know, if we just sharpen some things up, you know, offensively, defensively, you know, that we're going to put ourselves in a better position when we play, you know, the next time. And, and, and we did that after the break and, and, you know, sharpened up our offense, got a little better defensively, and I think that helped us in our holiday tournament. And it helped us today to give ourselves, you know, a little bit of an opportunity, you know, to compete against Swarthmore. And, you know, obviously things didn't go our way in, in certain, you know, possessions. And, you know, Swarthmore executes at such a high level, you know, but this film today is going to, we're going to learn, you know, a lot from it as well. A week ago, you played TCNJ and Johns Hopkins. Of course, Hopkins 13th ranked in the country. And you win both of those games. The Hopkins game certainly raised my eyes. Uh, I'd already had you guys kind of on the radar, as it were. But I know Hopkins really darn well. And, and I thought, you know, that's a solid win coming out of the holidays. What did, did, did the Middlebury game help with that? Or is it so far gone at that point that it's a distant memory and it's after the holidays, it's all fresh? Oh no, that Middlebury game really played played into that because again we were able to go back to that and 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 talk to our guys about that game mm-hmm. and things that went right and things that, that didn't go right um, to really help us and I think we executed you know much better against TCNJ and Hopkins than we did in that Middlebury game. So the Middlebury game really was a, a great learning experience for our guys. So fast forward to today and correct me if I'm wrong. I've had the adage this year that Hopkins is a little bit like Swarthmore and not as they, they might be a little bit smaller and it's slight and obviously not as experienced. Swarthmore gets all the way to the championship game last year. They, they only lose one player. They've got a ton of talent, but Hopkins feels like a, a, a slightly different version than Swarthmore. Is that fair and help you with today's game or are they so different that I'm missing something and you had to kind of go back to the drawing board before today's game? 
Um, I, I think the, the main difference for us is we might match up a little better versus Hopkins than we do, you know, against Swarthmore. Okay. I mean, they're, they're playing two big guys, and you know, we got decent size, but you know, we're ultimately playing four guards. Um, so the matchup is, is really different. You know, both teams are obviously very talented, um, well coached. You know, so it, we were lucky. We we just matched up, I think, a little better against Hopkins. So what was the secret today? This is the second game Swarthmore has played this week. Second one they've escaped by three points. Of course, this one being on the road. What worked? What what was working that got you guys to within striking distance against the Garnet? And what didn't work? Yeah, we were able to you know drive the ball at certain times. Um, you know, they're just so physical and they they put so much pressure you know on you on both ends of the floor they execute their offense really well um their pressure bothered us you know a little bit you know on on, on the other side of the floor and you know again they make it tough they're a terrific team luckily we made some shots and and, and just just came up short in a lot of areas you know and just just a couple mistakes on the defensive end a couple bad possessions on offense you know, and, and those are really the difference difference of the game. I know we're a few hours removed from the game, but is that a kind of loss, kind of like Middlebury, but maybe even better, that you can use as a as a plus, as a confidence builder? Guys, you took the number one team, number one team in the country to the wire. You are good. You can be better. We are able to do what we want to do. Is that is is that something that can be done? Yeah, I mean, we we, we know. I think that we can compete with really anybody. Um, it's just getting to that next level of yeah. understanding the execution on offense and defense and, and, and that every possession matters. And, you know, th- those are the things that I think will really take away, you know, from today's game. I can't believe you're in your 12th season, by the way. Uh, it feels like you just got to Stevens in my head. Time flies. Uh, yeah, it, it seriously <laughs> has. Uh, unbelievable. And, again, you're now in your third conference. You move in the MAC Commonwealth, and that's basically what you've got ahead of you. You'll take on Delaware Valley coming up this week and Wilkes. Um, you'll split the you know home and then away and then Kings misericordia the sales the schedules um, the travel's different for you you're not traipsing across the entire state of New York uh, to play in the Empire Eight how do you now prepare for the Commonwealth or I'm sorry for the Freedom side of the MAC and how are you getting the guys ready for opponents they may not really know well yes it's very interesting we've we've not traditionally played any of these teams so. no. Um, Even though they're, they're in your new- neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, again, our longest trip will be two and a half hours, which, right. which we're really excited about. Um, but, yeah, we have not traditionally seen any of these teams. So other than film and wa- you know, watching games online, we don't know much about a lot of these teams. And you know, I guess the good part is they don't know a whole lot about us either. So, sure. um, you know, but we're just going to take it one game at a time. Like, you know, each game is, is, is big for us. And, you know, we, we've shown improvement, you know, to, through our season up to this point and, you know, once Wednesday comes and we get to Thursday, we want to have some improvement on certain areas there. And then after Saturday's game, so really just going to look to take it one game at a time and continue to improve. And, you know, but we're excited about the travel, you know, that this conference, you know, offers us, and, you know, a little different than the Empire Eight. Um, you know, it's just going to be different in the, uh, we don't have the back-to-back that we played, you know, in the Empire Eight. Every game is a Wednesday, Saturday, so the preparation will be different. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, of new things that we're going to experience this year. You certainly are going to see a lot of experience. What do you, what do you, how do you prepare? I mean, how do you as a coach go out there and prepare for a Del Val, Wilkes, Kings, Misericordia, DeSales, et cetera? Are you talking to other coaches? Are you pouring in through video that you maybe can get your hands on? I know through Synergy and Huddle and all them, it's, it's not as hard as it used to be, certainly. But how do you prepare for a conference you guys aren't as familiar with? 
yeah, we, we watch a lot of film. Again, we're as, as, as we're getting closer to conference, you know, we're watching a lot, obviously a lot more of our conference opponents. Um, but we'll be watching a lot of film of, of everybody, and now everybody's playing each other, so you're going to get you know, a lot of video and, and film of, of all these uh, Max Freedom teams, which you know, is exciting. We're excited to kind of go into some new, new facilities, and you know, the, the league has great coaches, and you know, excited to kind of spend some more time with them and get to know some of these guys that we've you know, traditionally not, not really been around. Talk about your squad. You've got six seniors on this team. Talk about experience, to say the least. Um, it, well, it's an understatement to some degree. You're led by Spencer Cook, uh, nearly 20 points a game, uh, nearly 14 Alec, out of Alec, and I'm going to screw up his last name, so, Coach, I'm handing it to you. Uh, let's just call him DePete. Uh, DePetrion. Petra Antonio, yes. Oh, that's it's, it's, so it's much easier. Much. It's still, uh, I, I struggle at times. So. Yeah, that's, that's a mouthful. Uh, yes. Kevin Florio, of course, in this conversation as well in terms of scoring. He's a tick under double digits. Uh, you play a lot of guys, too, but you also keep in terms – it's interesting because you play a lot of guys, but it seems like your core group is tight. It, you, you seem to have a group you're always going to play, and then occasionally you're going to grab somebody else off the bench to get in some minutes. So give us a, give us a sense of what your team is all about and, and more than what I just kind of spieled out. We, we have a veteran group, um, you know, a lot of juniors and seniors. Um, you know, obviously, Spencer leads us in scoring. Uh, you know, terrific guard for us. You know, d- does a lot on both ends. You know, terrific defender. Um, ability to score, you know, from the three. He's got a great pull-up, can get to the rim. Um, you know, other, other seniors and, and Kevin Florio and Dylan Walsh. Um, you know, Ke- Kevin does a great job, again, defensively. We, we've spent a lot of time, you know, working on our defense and, and these, upper, these upperclassmen. You know, I've really bought into guarding, um, you know, and Kevin and, and Spencer do a great job in the guards. And, and Dylan Walsh, he really anchors our defense. Um, another senior for us, does all of the dirty work, um, the effort and energy he, he puts in. You know, today he was guarding a big guy, you know, against Hopkins. He's guarding Connor Delaney. So we kind of put him on the, on the, best, the best player um, and usually does, you know, a really good job. Um, Alex, you know, our big guy, we, we have him do a lot. Um, you know, he's, he's – handling the ball on the perimeter. We're getting the ball in the post. Um, you know, he does so much, and he's improved so much. And, and game to game, he keeps improving. You know, I think he's maybe five or six straight double-doubles. So, you know, he does so much for us on the inside. Um, you know, we got two seniors coming off the uh, – three seniors coming off the bench. And, yeah. and JoJo Mosca, you know, Mike Zignorski and Tyler McShay that all give us great minutes. Um, you know, so we have a real, really veteran group that, you know, is kind of leading us, you know, through, through this tough – you know, schedule. And, you know, I think their, their approach to everything we do, you know, in practice, our effort energy is great, you know, in, in every game, you know, it's not something we, we talk, we talk about it a lot and, and every game and every practice, it's always very high. So, you know, obviously our execution and stuff needs to improve, you know, but, but they come to work, you know, every single day, which, which makes my job, you know, so much easier. Um, by the way, your, your defense statistically is insane. You're sixth best in the country in uh, field goal percentage defense, 14th best in the country in three-point field goal percentage. Is this defense start and everything will come after that? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to get, you know, stops so we can go in transition, you know, get some easy easy buckets that way, hopefully get some three-on-twos, two-on-ones. So we really want our defense to ignite, you know, our offense. Um, but our guys do a really good job of, of, of buying into the defensive end and, you know, and, and trying to get stops on every possession. Um, it's just, it, it's, I think it's the 
um, benefits of having an older group who have who's done it for two, three, four years, you know, in practice and, and, and just, they just get that excitement about defending. Very interesting. By the way, you are a win shy of 200. Congratulations when you get there, since it'll happen when we're not talking. Um, Thank you. Uh, that's, that's a, a, a milestone. I know a number of coaches love getting to, there's a lot of milestones after that, but 200 says a lot about uh, yourself and the program. Certainly. What does it mean though, to you personally, when you get there, I am obviously doing this preemptively. Um, to be honest with you, it that uh, doesn't excite me. I mean, it's a great milestone, sure. but you know, uh, we're kind of focused on this year's group and 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 you know how 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 we can improve you know day to day. You know, it's it's a it's a great accomplishment. Obviously, you know, we we've won some pretty good games. You know, over the last twelve years, you know, like Ben Bennett Stevens. Um, but really, we're focused on this year's group. You know, that, that's really what matters. <laughs> sure. No, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, Coach, thanks for the time. Um, it, it fascinating the circumstances you guys find yourselves in. First off, you make the freedom so much better just in general, but you're obviously out to a great start to the season and have challenged yourselves. I look forward to seeing what happens in the freedom, especially against the, the likes of DelVal and DeSales. You're going to see a lot of different styles yeah. uh, in, in, the, in the weeks and months ahead. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Just thanks for what you guys do. You know, we love the, you know, the, the focus on our student-athletes and the ability to talk about them and you know, the exposure that, that you guys give them. So you know, th- thanks to you guys. Well, thank you, Coach. Hey, can't do it without the support of you, you sports information directors, fans, et cetera, but we enjoy doing it all the same. Uh, have fun. Good luck. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Bobby Hurley joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline in the NABC Coaches Corner. I should be mentioning that a little bit more. NABC Coaches Corner taking on a little bit of a different feel this year. We're actually uh, um, not having specialty segments like we've done in the past. Every single NABC uh, coach who comes on our show will be in the NABC Coaches Corner. So we want to thank our our uh, our support and, and the help from the National Association of Basketball Coaches, especially the Division Three side of that group. And, uh, yeah, NABC Coaches Corner. We had just two back-to-back. Should have mentioned that on the first one as well. Steven signing two, as we mentioned. They'll get off with Delaware Valley at home before Wilkes on the road this week, then Kings on the road, and then Misericordia at home. Interesting. They got the Wilkes-Kings-Misericordia group there. They'll travel out to Wick, Wilkes, come home, travel out to Kings, come home, then at least – stay home for misericordia otherwise that that trip's going to get real old real quick but they're in the mac freedom now and it'll be fascinating to see how that all plays out when we come back we'll switch gears go up to the women's side of things and we'll go into the northeast region there's an undefeated team in the northeast and we're not talking toughs they're undefeated but we're not talking about them and it's certainly not amherst they're not undefeated we're going to talk to smith women's basketball the pioneers are 12 and 0 Their head coach joins us on the show to talk about her program, how they're doing, and how they stack up in the new Mac. You listen to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the uh, NABC WBCA studios. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. 
That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Hi, welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Katherine Bixby, head coach at Johns Hopkins University and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. I hope you're enjoying the show. Now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, broadcasting out of the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks to Coach, uh, coach Bixby there uh, for her kind words uh, from the WBCA. We get these kind of cool vignettes uh, from the WBCA and uh, appreciate their time. Um, may even get them from the NABC in the near future. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of things to chat with us. By the way, I was quickly noticing 
um, that Ohio Wesleyan um, took a, a moment to honor uh, the head coach of Worcester uh, men's basketball uh, in his final season. And by the way, nominated, as we mentioned in the final show last uh, December, uh, nominated for the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame. Uh, nice move there by Ohio Wesleyan, but I would, <laughs> I don't expect anything different from Mike DeWitt, to be honest. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk some women's basketball. Uh, I, I made this comment on the phone to our next guest uh, that they've been on my radar, certainly wanted to talk to them, but in my due diligence, uh, especially with what was an absolutely crazy couple of weeks leading into tonight's show, obviously we were off the air since uh, December 19th, I said to the guys, hey, who should I talk to? You know, I, we talked to the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central regions on Sunday nights now. Who should I talk to on the women's side? And the first response Gordon sent me was, go talk to Smith. They're 12-0. and 0. They need to be chatted with. we got to figure out what's going on with them. Uh, I'm adding that last part in. Um you know, twelve and zero, and and in this new MAC race, I agree. I, I'm fascinated with what coach has got going on there. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopso Hotline, it's the head coach of the Smith Pioneers. It is Lynn Hersey, and coach, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it, and happy New Year. Oh, same to you, and and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, again, twelve and zero. I haven't gotten in the new MAC race, but wow, talk about a great way to get into things, especially with a win over Trinity uh, just a few days ago, 58-51. We'll talk about the rest of the schedule here in a bit, but you've got, well, did you expect you could be at this point uh, in the schedule and be undefeated? Well, to be honest with you, um, we lost 75% of our, our scoring offense sure. uh, from last year, 72% <laughs> of our rebounding, so no. 70% of our assists. So no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it, the title of your show is Wild Seasons, and um, yes. it's certainly, um, you know, very fitting. But, <laughs> no, we've, you know, we have a, a great uh, great group um, that, you know, has, has really come together, and um, it's been fun to coach them, and they're having fun, and, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a good place to start, for sure. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you've always had a team, at least, that's been competitive. We've had you on the show before. You've been at the top of the new MAC race. You've been in the middle of the new MAC race. You, you always have a team that's going to be there and be competitive. And you have that unique scenario being an all-women's college as well, along with Wellesley and uh, up there in New England and, and obviously a whole bunch on the East Coast and around the country. But 12-0 and 0 after what you guys lost, after what was – considerably a good season 20 and 6 oh no was, uh, sorry that's uh, the year before uh our computer's been doing that to us i'm double checking your schedule real quick because I, I don't want to screw that up i almost said last year's there um 22 and 7 you're you know 13 and 3 in the conference you, you had a great year last year you how did this team you know what's working for this team to respond after what you said was all the losses yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a combination of uh, we have six players return from last year's team. We graduated seven, um, and so we have our six returners, and we, <laughs> and we had a, a first-year class of eight um, that came in to, wow. to join the Smith family. So we are, um, you know, we're kind of learning as we go, but I think that the first thing that's really important um, that, that I've really witnessed this group do is uh, they've come together, they've embraced each other, um, the chemistry is really good on and off the court. Um, and, and those are just, you know, those are, those are building blocks that some other coaches have to work on. Sure. And, you know, and we've had the luxury of um, really just, you know, getting the right mix of personalities and character and, 
and, um, you know, allowing that to kind of take fold. And, and so we've been able to really early on in the season, I think, focus a lot on, you know, our game prep and our habits and our, you know, all the details that go into also winning a game. Um, but I, I give all the credit to the players, the returners for welcoming our first years, our first years for, you know, certainly embracing, um, you know, who we are and what we're about. Um, so that part has been really a joy to see. Well, and here's what jumps out. You, you talk about losing six seniors, 75% of scoring, 80% of rebounds, et cetera. You don't have any seniors on this team. And, you know, you're, so you go, okay, we're going to lean on the juniors. But it's a sophomore leading the way in scoring in, in uh, Caitlin Pekunka, I apologize. And then it's three freshmen, Claremont, y- uh, Yamada, and Ruffner. It's not even the junior class. And I know there's leadership points, and I'm not taking that away, but I'm saying is, you don't even have that in the statistical side. This is truly a young team stepping up to the plate quick for you. Yeah, it's it's very true. I mean, I, I, I can't. Um, the, the numbers are what they are. I, I think, you know, I give a lot of credit to our, our captain, um, Ellie Jo Whalen. She's, a, she's our junior. Um, you know, she played in, in, in a lot of big games for us last year um, as we approached the NCAA tournament and then into the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I think... It was her sort of mission along with some of the returners just to, to, to make sure our first years knew, like, you know, what, what it means to really prepare for games, what it means to prepare your bodies as well for <laughs> a, a five-month season. Um, you know, what is it like to balance the academics and athletics at a school like Smith? Um, she's just been a, a rock for us from a leadership perspective, and, and you know, that, that's not going to show up on a stat sheet, mm-hmm. um, but that does show up in your, in your wing column. So. You know, I, I certainly, um, you know, we, we give a lot of credit to her leadership. Um, and then, you know, certainly our sophomore class, um, as you mentioned, Caitlin and Michelle Gleisner. Uh, you know, Caitlin right now is sixth in the country in field goal percentage, and Michelle yeah. fifth in the country for assists per game. Um, so, you know, those two are, are certainly carrying a, a heavy load from being first years last year, kind of playing in, in more of a role, um, you know, more of a role player for us with some of our bigger seniors there last year and, and stepped up really nicely, kind of taking ownership of, um, you know, bigger roles and, and they're embracing it and they're doing a great job um, performing day in and day out. Yeah, we should point out, um, you lost from last year's team, not only the, um, the all-time leading scorer and rebounder in, Ken- in, in Kennedy guest Pritchett, you also lost the new Mac Athlete of the Year and an honorable All-American in Lauren Mo- Bondi. So there were huge shoes to fill and you're getting them yes. <laughs> huge <laughs> and you're <laughs> to say the least as they say and you're getting them filled in okay by juniors in the leadership role and of course sophomores who who played under them last year but freshmen who never technically met them i mean i realize on recruiting trips that could be different but that's that's got to say a lot for this eight recruits that you brought in this year that they're able to step right into roles and, and perform yeah, I can't agree with you more. I mean, our, our staff worked really hard on the recruiting trail, and we were fortunate enough to get a great group to commit to come. And, and um, you know, I think the thing about this group is, you know, they're, they're, they just love the game. They love playing basketball. Um, they're in the gym before practice. They're in the gym after practice. Um, they're asking for individuals. I mean, they're, they're truly um, gym rats. And, you know, the love of the game is a big part of being able to be motivated to sort of do the dirty work when no one's watching. Sure. Um, 
and I, I, I think they've, they just, you know, they have that. Um, they brought that with them. So, you know, that, that's been a huge um, help to us. And, you know, certainly there, we have a lot to learn. There's a lot of things we still need to, you know, get better at. Um, but I've been proud of their, the way that they've bought into sort of our methodology of preparation for games. Um, we're very scout-heavy coaching staff, and, you know, it, it, it's definitely a, a, a mental challenge um, as a first year to kind of keep up with what we ask, um, you know, in game planning and, and such. Um, but I've been really um, impressed and proud of the returners for kind of bringing them along in that area and the first years themselves for, you know, sort of adapting quickly to it and understanding it's important. A couple stats that jump out at me. You're fourth in field goal percentage as a team. You're eighth in three-point field goal percentage as a team. Um, 13th in scoring margin. Sometimes that, that's a bigger stat than what it really is. Um, but still, 18th, 18th in total assists. This team is clicking on offense. And, and you pointed out Pritchett is, is you know doing so well at field goal percentage. It's 65.6%. That's an insane number. Can this offense keep clicking like this, or are you almost kind of preparing for uh, a natural lull or a natural step back, as it were, as the season grinds on? Well, I'm a Patriots fan, and I'm oh, hoping we I'm do sorry. not pull a Patriots <laughs> second <laughs> half here. But um, you know, I don't. You know, that's a great question. I mean, I I think that we um, we really have a lot of growth to be done on the offensive end. I think um, we've we've done a pretty nice job defensively. Um, but we, we're still learning about each other. We're still learning about, you know, adversity and, and game situations. And, um, you know, there's, you know, we're 12 games in. We've been fortunate yeah. enough to make enough big plays to, to win those games. But we have a lot of really good teams coming up to, to compete against. And sure. Um, I'm sure we'll find ourselves in situations that we're going to, you know, we're going to learn a lot about um, how well we prepare and, and um, you know, sort of who the gamers are. But, um, but right now, you know, I think we're we're doing the things we need to do to to you know be competitive, and that's that's the most important. Well, not to jump into that that thought of the second half of the season and your <laughs> Patriots reference, but you know, one thing that does kind of cons- you know not concern me—that's a horrible way of saying it—but something that is on my mind is, okay, how ready are the freshmen for what will now be the nest cat or the new Mac part of this grind or the second half grind? How much can you keep up what you were doing in the first half and? How do you prepare them for what will be certainly a challenge in the conference schedule? Yeah, I mean, that, those are all great questions. And, um, you know, I think we, we utilize film a lot. Um, we really try to, um, like I said before, prepare for each game. We take it one game at a time. Um, we're really diligent about our game planning and, and how we execute the game plan. Um, our first years, you know, the goal is to prepare hard so that when they're playing, it's it's instinctual, you know. It's it's um, there, there's a level of freedom that they're able to um, sort of sort of mentally get to, and it allows them to just kind of play their best basketball on that night. Um, and certainly, that's the idea. Doesn't always you know translate 100% to that, sure. but um, you know, I, I think I think the challenges that are coming up um, are going to be um, good for us. And we, you know, whether or not we continue to um, go undefeated or not, I mean, I don't think that's really the big picture. I think the big picture for us is, you know, can we, can we um, down the stretch learn how to manage the clock? And, you know, it's all the little details. Yeah, <laughs> Stay out of foul trouble, keep teams out of, you know, the bonus, 
um, you know, have fouls to give at the end of the game. Like those, those other factors that just come into the little details that it takes to, you know, keep winning. So, um, but I, you know, I feel, I feel confident that we've got a group who's really mentally and, 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 um, emotionally engaged in what we're doing and they're having fun and, and they're, they're playing for each other. And I mean, as a coach, you, you know, that's, like I said before, that's, you know, usually sometimes you have to work hard for those factors to align. And, and we've been sort of, you know, blessed in a way that we, we've, um, we've kind of naturally, organically um, had that happen for us. Sure. Now let's talk about the conference race before we let you go. Last year, you guys finished second to Babson, who was on top of the conference. You had MIT and I think it was Emerson uh, behind you in that, in that race. Uh, Springfield, I'm sorry. Emerson was even behind uh, one more game. Right now, no conference games. The out-of-conference schedule has everything on its head, uh, in my opinion. Wellesley and Coast Guard have already met their win totals from last year. They're seven and two and nine and three, respectively. WPI is eight and four. Springfield's eight and five. Of course, they're the, your next opponent. Babson's five and five. Interesting enough, MIT's three and seven. Um, what do you make of what will be a what will be this NESCAC race or NUMAC? I keep doing that. NUMAC race this year. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great teams in the new Mac and, you know, every, every team is well coached and, you know, has, has terrific, um, you know, well-rounded players. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going <laughs> to, what's coming down the pipe. I mean, I, honestly, you know, I think our preseason pools, Springfield and Babson were kind of picked to be the, the favorites. And, um, you know, obviously MIT is always tough. Um, and Emerson has, you know, beat a ranked team this year yeah. already. Um, so, you know, it, it, it sounds to me like it, it could be a really interesting, um, you know, uh, new Mac season, regular season. But, you know, I, I think that the key for us at least is, you know, one game at a time, yeah. try to get better. Um, each of our players try to do their, their job and their, their role as best as they can. And, you know, um, we'll have to face each opponent and be prepared and, um, hopefully, you know, make a few more plays than they do and, and come out on top. But, um, I think you know there are a lot of strong teams in, in the new Mac, and it's exciting for us to be able to uh, compete with, you know, other teams. The, the NESCAC, for example, and um, you know we've been I think crossing over with them quite a bit this year. So sure, um, it, it's you know it's good for our conference, and you know hopefully down the stretch it will um, it will help us in the long run. Before we let you go, I'm curious. I don't know if we've ever talked about it. Smith being an all women's college, obviously Wellesley as well up there, and. As we mentioned, many others on the East Coast, the all women's colleges don't tend to be in the conversation when we talk about conference leaders and national leaders. Smith certainly in that conversation a lot, though. You've developed that program. But what are the challenges to recruiting, especially in this day and age? Do you find student athletes who are absolutely gung ho about the idea of a single sex college or, or do you have to convince them or are you have to be very specific in your recruiting? Well, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of different factors. I mean, we're, we're fortunate enough that Smith is, you know, the 11th best liberal arts school in the country. So, <laughs> well done, by the way. <laughs> there's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, academically, there's, you know, certainly a, um, a lot that, you know, a, a Smith education could give a student. Oh, yeah. um, we're also located in the five college area yep. in uh, Western Mass here. Um, so, and our campus is gorgeous. So, there, there's, you know, certainly, um, sort of uh, built in, um, you know, uh, parts of Smith that I think are very attractive to a lot of recruits. Um, but, you know, there's, there's certainly a level of recruiting that is probably different than most other 
um, you know, Division three schools. I mean, we, we certainly have to, uh, you know, attempt to uh, talk to a large, large group of um, recruits, and, and certainly it, it windles down pretty quickly. So, sure. um, you know, for us, it's just a matter of, we, you know, we try to really work hard <laughs> recruiting and, um, you know, do what we can across the country. We're lucky to have sort of a national name. Um, and you know, the challenges are, are something we just are motivated to, to meet, and we try to, we try to do that each and every year. No, it's certainly fascinating. I, I know it's a little different. I went to a single-sex high school in, in Connecticut. My, my parents went to single-sex colleges. I know that they're slightly different in, in, in a lot of ways, but they're also very, very similar in a lot of ways. So I find it fascinating, and, and I congratulate you on having this program clicking along, as it were. I think you were 214 wins, 202 of them coming uh, at, uh, at Smith. So congratulations on that as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this, the rest of the season progresses for you guys. Um, big game coming up, obviously, on the road, down the road at Springfield uh, coming up uh, this week. As always, we give the coach final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, I just appreciate the time um, and, you know, certainly love this this uh, season of basketball. It's always fun to follow other teams and, um, uh, you know, coaches that are, I'm friends with. And so certainly just wishing everybody the best. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the next few, few weeks shape up for everybody. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. Uh, enjoy the winters up there, as always. And, uh, and uh, stay safe on the roads. Good luck, and we'll talk to you somewhere down the road. All right, sounds good. Awesome. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Lynn Hersey joining us from Smith. They're 12 and 0 again. Down the road at Springfield to start conference play up on the 7th. Then a non conference game against Dean and Williams. Um, they'll head out to Williams, which is just a little bit west of them in Western Mass. Uh, and then they get back into the conference play. They'll take on Emerson on the 18th, MIT on the 22nd, Wellesley on the 25th, and Wheaton on the 29th. You know, New Mac race is going to be fun to watch. Keep an eye on that one, to say the least. Um, Kind of quiet on the chat boards. Kind of impressed with all of you, to be honest with you. Tuned in. But if you got questions for us, we got our big top 25 segment coming up. Bob and um, Gordon, or Gordon, <laughs> Bob and Ryan will join us on the Skype hotline. Um, and I'll give you my sense of the women's side of the top 25. Remember, new poll comes out tomorrow, polls, men's and women's. And we've had a ton of results to try and work our way through. I will admit. This might be the toughest top 25 ballot I've done at this point in the season in a long time. I'm half tempted to just throw everything out, start from scratch. But we'll talk to Bob and Ryan about all that when we come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more after this. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. 
cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Guys, welcome back to Hoopsville. On this Sunday evening, hope you uh, are enjoying the show. We're back on the air. Golden Globes are now on the air, and I know I'm a better host than Ricky Gervais, right? Okay, don't lie to me. I know, Ricky's better. Funnier guy. Um, got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsil or hashtag Hoopsil. Email us, Hoopsil at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsil. I think you got it all covered. If you haven't figured it out, I cannot help you, and we'll just go from there. Um, top 25, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, is going to be, oh, what's the word? Crazy? Um, it's going to be less than easy, to say the least. Uh, how we break that all down, how we figure that all out, I really do not know the answer, to be blunt. So that's why I bring in the boys, as it were, to talk about it, try and figure it out from their vantage point, and blah, 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 blah. Join us on the Skype Hoopsville Hotline. It's our good friends, Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott. Gentlemen, good to see you. Hello. Hey, guys. Good to see you. 
Thanks for coming on, guys. As always, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, what do, what do, what do we what do we make of what we saw this this? I mean, I'm used to having the holidays be a little crazy. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like we had a lot of crazy this year. We did. You know, I I think the good thing is that we we're seeing a lot of teams play awesome holiday season games. If you look at some of the teams that that traveled to different parts of the country. Uh, it allowed us to see a lot of awesome matchups. And, uh, you know, I know that if you look at like the D3 Hoops tournament, Dave, that you're part of in, in Las Vegas, and you look at, you know, Platteville playing at Mary Hard and Baylor and the great games at the Great Lakes Invitational, some of the games in Texas. I happen to see Texas Dallas play Stevens Point. So I guess, you know, Ryan, from my standpoint, I just like that we're getting to see some of these matchups that we wouldn't normally get to see. Yeah. And, and, um, it's resulting in things we don't expect, right? We're seeing a lot of results, a lot of wins from teams that we might in other years not really give a lot of credit to because they they weren't able to schedule in the way that they are this season. So um, it's just making things more difficult to, for voters. Yeah, that's saying the least. I'm, I said at the beginning of the, or going to break, I'm half tempted to just throw this all out. A- am I crazy? I don't, I don't think you're crazy. You know, we talked about this early on in December, the fact that at some point in the season, you've got to throw away your your preseason notions anyway, right? So the fact that we thought that Oshkosh was two and North Central was three and, and whatever we thought about teams, to me, we're officially at that point here as we're in the first week of January. And so I don't think you're crazy, Dave, for throw, kind of starting over because what that's saying to me is you're officially going to put behind you and, and I'm going to put behind me and Ryan is what we assumed about teams. And now we're really just looking at the games played this season. I don't know, Ryan, if, if you're in that same point, but I think I've shifted that to that gear maybe a couple weeks ago. I feel like I've almost done a new preseason ballot <laughs> this week, right? So at the beginning, you're really just guessing, right? You know what they did the season before, and you're sort of guessing what's going to happen now. And, you know, just when I felt like I had a handle on who some of these teams were, we had this holiday break where everything got upended. And so now I don't even know what to expect out of these teams. Do I expect the November team or the December team or the post Christmas team? Um, You know, I was going through the ballot and I feel like maybe 14, 15 teams I was relatively confident in. And then there's like 80 more that you could put on there. (laughs) No, that's a, that's a good point. And I'll just say that my point of saying, throw it out. Isn't, I think at this point I've already started to kind of, remove i mean even before christmas remove my assumptions i am basing it a little bit on on what i'm or mostly on what i'm seeing yes where my teams have been positions has maybe influenced it though i think i got a little bit more crazy this year or at least more radical in in making shifts based on the conversation we had on this show back in late november about okay what was it the the cciw conundrum we had with carthage and elmerst and north part or north central and and whatnot. And, and so I think I'd already making that step. What I basically mean is I, I want to remove not only that preseason stuff I may still have in my head, if it is there, but just literally remove everything and, and just look at everybody flat out and say, OK, you know what? If I was looking at that resume, you know what? That's that's a top five resume and just start piecing it out that way and saying that's a top five. That's a top 15. That's a top 10. That's a tough, and then kind of like I do in the preseason, and then go, okay, where do I have everybody kind of grouped, and can I make that work, and does that really line up in reality? The problem with that is, I did have plans for tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, 
I'd like to maybe do some of that tomorrow. This is going to be insane because I joked it was all but one team lost, but it's not a joke. There's only, what, five teams in the top 25 and receiving votes who I don't think lost in the time span between the last ballot and this one? It is. I agree. Great tournaments, but the parody's getting insane. It, it, it's pretty crazy. And, you know, I usually, when I do my ballot, I think you guys do the same. I take, I take my ballot from the last time around and I, I try to stay with that. And then I say, okay, how did those teams do? And then I reshuffle my own ballot as opposed to like going to the official top 25 because then it turns into groupthink. Right, right. But, but I'm with you. Like, I don't know the value anymore of taking my old ballot from a couple weeks ago, the last time we voted, because I don't know, you just put all this stuff in a blender now over the holidays and all these results. And uh, I'm kind of with you, Dave. Like, I'm, I'm kind of starting over fresh with this ballot. And uh, I think, like Ryan said, I might have my number might be 10 teams that I'm pretty comfortable with. And then after 10, I, I oh, don't yeah. what no, to I'm I'm at 10 max before I'm ready to check out of this thing. Um, and then you get a result like Stevens nearly knocking off Swarthmore. You get Guilford defeating Emory um, and then losing to Hamden Sydney. Um, we were joking on the women's side, you know, what are they going to do with George Fox? You know, they, they go and beat Scranton by 10 something and, and controlled that game, go and absolutely dominate University of New England. And then only put up 45 points against Willamette. You get these results and you sit there putting your head through a wall going, you know, when's the real person going to stand up? <laughs> when, um, when are these teams going to? And, and, and then these teams change, too. You know, guys have been injured or coming back from injury or maybe a, a key player has been lost because of academics or they get a player back. Like we see this every once in a while. They got one semester left. So they use it for the second semester. And how does that change things? So we're into a fascinating part of the season. Um, now, normally in the top 25 conversation, guys, we talk about our dubious team. We talk about our debatable team. <laughs> They're all debatable at this point. Um, we talk about our deep dive team. Tough to do when we've had, what, two and a half weeks of, of games or so um, mixed into this top 25. So uh, Bob came up with the idea of talking about a couple games or a few games, hard to narrow them down, that will have some kind of impact or your opinion on why they'll have an impact on the top 25. Um, I know you sent out a list earlier, Bob. Ryan, did you get a chance to at least look at said list? Because I at least yep. looked at it. I've got it. Um, where do you guys want to start with this? And and I would say go ahead, give your thoughts on it. If one of us has another idea, we can quickly cut in. But I would just say let's roll through these because there's a long list here. Yeah, I think we can just rotate these. We'll start with Ryan, and we can just both kind of pick a game that happened over the, the holidays here, the last couple of weeks since we've, we've been all together on a show. and. Ryan, why don't you throw one out, and then we'll just kind of keep rotating. Well, I think since we Dave just mentioned the the player changes as well, um, I thought I'd just bring up the the Eastern Connecticut beating Babson. Um, Babson's played the last two games without Frank Oftring, who's been you know he's a post player for them, one of their bigger scorers, and I believe Crew Ainge, the the transfer point guard, missed one of them as well. Um, so you have these games where we it, it throws things even more into limbo, right? Because Babson hadn't really lost before, and now we don't know how, whether this game's indicative of anything. We don't know when he's coming back, if he's coming back. Um, and that's one of those that you look at and you say people had a few questions about Babson beforehand. Um, 
And, and now we don't know what to do with this. And, and I think you've got a similar one with Whitworth um, that, that is on your list as well. Yeah. So, you know, Whitworth lost to, to John Carroll and to Worcester um, back to back days, the 28th and 29th. And if you, if you look at Whitworth's resume, you know, they have some really impressive wins. And then you, you, you try to piece together these losses to John Carroll and Worcester. And certainly the, the Worcester loss, um, that's to a, a really good team. John Carroll, I think, is also a good team. But what do you do with Whitworth now? Because they were ranked, you know, well, let's see, 14. So Whitworth was, was ranked 14. That's probably pretty close to where I had them. I was a little lower. Um, but I think, Ryan and Dave, that uh, that's one of the head scratchers for me is where, where do I put Whitworth now? Well, and that also, I don't I don't know if that got mentioned. I put them together because Whitworth, their their point guard, the second best player on their team, got hurt in that John Carroll game and then didn't play in Worcester and hasn't played since. And right. so that's one of those where we don't know if he's coming back. And if he's not, that's a very different team. Isaiah Hernandez, I want to make sure I get his name out there. No, that, you're right. Uh, I think that's a valid point. And that's where this gets more complicated. Because, again, it's the changes that we always see at this point in the season for a hundred different reasons. Maybe a guy steps up, too. Or, you know, I think it's Smith, you know, talking about them at 12-0 and on the women's side. That's a young team. The changes are going to be them grinding through a schedule. How many of these teams are not going to be able to even make it the next couple of weeks before the kinks in the armor are fully exposed? Um, it, 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 it's insane. Um yeah, Whitworth. I don't know what to do with Whitworth. Uh, I, I am. There's uh, another <laughs> similar situation. It's it's different, but it's in the the realm. Is you know, Washu number ten lost to Milliken. Right. Uh, you know, Milliken's zero four in the CCIW right now. Milliken, I I saw them play last night on, on video, and and they're they're a very dangerous team with very talented players. Now Washu was without two starters. They were without a very good guard, and they were without their center. Um, as I look at that game, to me, WashU has plenty of depth to insert into the lineup and, and beat Milliken. But um, that's another one where you have to think, do I do I just say, well, WashU was without two starters. I'm going to kind of erase that Milliken game. That was a weird one. Or do you factor that in? Because that's that's something you have to consider as you're doing your ballot this week. Well, and that throws off. I have on my list, you know, Guilford over Emory, which I, I haven't been super high on this Guilford team this year. I wanted to see them prove something. And then lo and behold, they do. Right. They play Emory and, and they get the win. And then, you know, you've seen the interview already that they, they then lost to Hamden Sydney after that. We don't know what to do with it. But the other part of this is I was watching Emory play and I've seen Wash U play a couple times and watching those games. I feel like Wash U might be a little bit better than Emory right now, right? And this is the team we've sort of had as a consensus number two for most of the season. And now I'm starting to rethink even the order in the conference. Well, that's, I agree. that's a good point. I, I'm with you is that I think WashU and Emory at best is a tie. You know, I think that's really, really close. Uh, and I think they'll probably split in UAA play. Uh, what do you do with WashU now? What do you do with Emory? Um, you know, Dave, I know when you do your ballot, you're going to have to sort this out. And the UAA is one of the leagues that's uh, that, that those top two. That's a little confusing at this point. Well, it's funny on Monday in Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic, we were talking about all the losses and like, man, we should have probably put together a top 25 ballot. And I turned to Gordon. And I said, well, I know what I would have done. I would have put Swarthmore one. I would have put Emory two. And I would have left the rest of the ballot blank. Just forget <laughs> it. I'm done. I, I'm not going to handle this. Lo and behold. A, cu- what, a couple hours or a, or a day later, Emory loses. And I'm like, all right, so I will put Swarthmore one and leave the rest of it blank. And then I watched Swarthmore play its home opener against Rochester from you know the break. And I nearly went, well, I'm leaving the whole ballot blank. Um, 
It, it's it's absolutely insane. I agree with you to some degree, Ryan. I, I think Emery's really good. I think playing Guilford a second time is a caveat I've got to remember in this equation here. They've known each other pretty well. But Emery did beat them at Guilford by 22 to start the season. I'm hoping Emery hasn't peaked early, and it's a little weird to say that at this point in the season. But here's the other caveat. Guilford was playing hamden Sydney, who's run by Caleb Kimbrough. If there's somebody yeah. who knows what Tom Palumbo's team's going to do, it's Caleb Kimbrough. And, and do I now put more stock in the fact that that's just a, a well-known team? Or it, it, This is where this gets so not complicated, but convoluted to some degree. Other games that you guys might have had. Well, I was going to just mention, as you said that, one of those that comes down to matchups, right? Um, you know, we have on the list Middlebury over Springfield in a tight one. Um, that's a terrible matchup for Springfield, right? Springfield's True. a little uh, lacking in, in size. True. Uh, you know, they're relying a lot on Ross. Heath Post is, is a rebounder, but he's not a huge guy. Right. And Middlebury has tons of size, right? They're, they're a pretty big team. And so I don't even know what that told me out of that game, right? I wouldn't have necessarily thought it would be close as it was. I think it was a four-point Middlebury win. Um, so I don't know if it told me much about either team. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a great point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I saw that on the list. I didn't take much stock in it, but you point out it's, it's sometimes you have to read between the lines and it actually sometimes doesn't even answer the question. And I would have a couple, a uh, couple of teams that lost their first game here in the last uh, week and a half or so. So Platteville, uh, and this is a this is a good matchup of two good teams. So Platteville lost on the road at uh, Mary Harden Baylor. So that game was played uh, in, in Texas in Belton, and uh, it was a great game. It came down to the final seconds. So that was Platteville's first loss. Again, I think you just chalk that up to two good teams playing, and it was a very close game. And then just recently here, I think it was yesterday, um, Oshkosh, the defending national champs, with a very big home win yeah. over. Over lacrosse, and so I think you know, seeing Platteville lose their first game in lacrosse, that was bound to happen here as they start to to get into WIAC play. But uh, you know, those those teams had had an amazing start to the season, and uh, they both drop one. Well, and let me just add on to that. You know, we had River Falls who defeated Nebraska Wesley, and I got to see the River Falls out in Vegas. I said this earlier, and I don't want it to be misconstrued. I think they're a good team, but they're not great. So now that starts to raise, as I said before that game, I even saw River Falls take the floor. Now I have serious questions about Nebraska Wesleyan. And by the way, River Falls, really good team. They've, they've got some good pieces, but they're, they're not all there. They're not a 40-minute team. They, they, they don't have all the pieces working at all the time. So I don't even know if I vote them top 25. It's part of what tomorrow and tonight really to start and tomorrow is going to be. But now I have to look at the Nebraska Wesleyan game and go, oh, geez, you know. What do I make of them with that result? And, and, and as the list has shown that you've read and that we haven't even gotten to, it, it, it makes the conversation just ridiculous. Yeah, and, and some of these leagues, especially you know, out in the central region, which we're, we're sort of getting into now, you've got such depth 
Yeah. Um, and, and we're in a point where maybe the teams that have a few more losses, like an Oshkosh or a Stevens Point, seem to be a little stronger at the moment than some of those with better records. You know, the CCIW is doing the same thing. And now you got to start worrying about the fact that if you've got four or five teams that are splitting with four or five other teams, I mean, you're really harming your Pool C chances at some point here. It's a great point. I, I, did, I did a look at the Pool C picture today. You know, it's it's a projection. It's, it is what it is here in early January. It's on the Pool C board. But what's interesting is that the team I factored in as the Pool A team for the CCIW is North Central, which has one of the worst Pool C resumes. Yes. Right? They're sitting there, and I slotted them. The team I could have slotted in the WIAC Pool A slot was Oshkosh. I didn't. I picked Platteville, but you could have Oshkosh and North Central, which stumbled out of the gates. We've talked about that a lot. They could be right now as we speak, terrible Pool C candidates, but they could win the CCIW and WIAC respectively. That very easily could happen at this point. And uh, it's just kind of fascinating in, in, in that how they started the season. Well, well we've had so many CCIW teams getting votes already this year, right? And I've had, I think I had one poll where I had five of them in my top 25, right? And as I was going through today, I start out by just looking at the resumes, right? Sort of with the wins and the losses and and kind of rank teams that way before I go back and look at the, the situational stuff. And after my first ranking, I only had one CCIW team in my top 25. Now, I did move a couple up because obviously they played strong schedules and, and some of those losses are a little easier to overlook. But to think about going from five to one in just a matter of a couple weeks. I'm um, in the same place, Ryan. I, <laughs> I, at one point, I had five for sure. And I guess I would, I'm would. i going to have Elmhurst in there. And I think I'm going to slide North Central in. But I will not vote for, for my alma mater. I will not vote for Carthage. I will not vote. Who else am I missing in this? This Augustana. I mean, look. So if, if I'm not voting for Illinois Wesleyan, Illinois Wesleyan won at Augustana. Right. Right. So in my head, uh, and, and Illinois Wesleyan's resume is overall just a little bit better than than Augustana due to the head to head. So uh, we're getting into a really difficult space in terms of all that stuff. Well, and quickly on the CCIW, Elmer's has a buzzer beater to beat at Carroll in double overtime last night to just add more complexity to that. And, and you talk about rough starts and, and pool C horrible resumes. You jump in the Atlantic region and into the new, into the NJAC, you got New Jersey city who I saw flashes of what they're capable of in Vegas. They went one and one. The second half in their first game was insane. And then the second half against river falls, they couldn't put it together and they lose that game. But they could easily go win that net, that that uh, NJAC conference. Well, not easily. I shouldn't say it that way. But they're the kind of same team, Bob. Where no chance, I don't think, anyway, of getting in because they're going to take a couple lumps in the conference. But they could go win that conference. They're and the, capable the, the, and and maybe make a run in the tournament. The the thing that that really was the big deal, I think, over the holidays impacting the the WIAC and CCIW is that. You had teams that lost non-conference games that were very, very damaging. So like Stevens Point, I traveled 10 minutes away to Texas-Dallas, and Stevens Point lost to a, a very good Texas-Dallas team, but that's a killer. Yeah. Illinois Wesleyan goes to Concordia, Texas without the best player, their point guard, uh, Grant Wolf. They lose to Concordia in a very bad showing. That's a killer. Yeah. Uh, Augustana, this wasn't a bad loss, but Augustana lost to lacrosse at lacrosse. 
in a game that was a, a one basket game. Uh, that hurt because that was Augustana's fourth fourth loss. So you're talking about these leagues where people are going to eat each other up, but yet you've got some uh, non-conference losses here in the last week that were very, very big. Well, and that goes back to you also have, as I was going through here, a number of teams that are in weaker conferences for sure. They're not playing as flashy a schedule, although they're not playing you know, weak teams. That's someone we come back to like a yeshiva, right? That's that's only got one loss this year. Also looking at Albertus Magnus, you know, they're they're in a weaker conference, but they've played some strong teams and they're winning most of those games. And and now we're coming to a point where we have to start factoring that in, right? As if you're losing four or five or six games against good competition, um, you know, how does that factor in against a team that you're you're just a little skeptical of? Um, by the way, a couple quick comments on the boards. Clayton Ramberg pointing out the River Falls starter, Noah Hansen got hurt at the end of the Nebraska Wesleyan game. Right, but then that's what we're factoring in. Okay, is, is he going to be a factor? Is he, is he going to be able to help River Falls through an injury? Um, uh, Connor Flegel's on the women's side. He says, my D3 hoops ballot is everywhere this week. Of course, he's on the women's side. I kind of joke, you know, oh, gee, I wish I had these troubles. Uh, he says, a new number one team for the first time this season, a team in my top 10 that I didn't vote for all season until now, and a team that was in my top 10 in my last poll that dropped out of my poll altogether this week. The women are actually starting to see a little of this, too. And, and, and I know it's not your guys' forte, but I was talking to G.P. Gromacki at the T3 Hoops Classic, and he said, listen, you know, parity's starting to, to develop in the women's side because there were years that we could have an off night at Amherst, have an off night, and still win or control a good team. They lost to Emerson, or not Emerson, Emmanuel. And he's like, Emmanuel had a great game, but we're not at that stage anymore where we can have an off night and a team have a good night and we don't, we don't survive that anymore. They're seeing a little bit on the women's. On the men's side, it's exasperated, guys. And I'm <laughs> going to take Marietta as an example of that. There is no reason on God's green earth that they should be losing to Salisbury and I'm not trying to knock on Salisbury. I've seen them this year. They've got pieces that I like. But Marietta, there's no way they should be losing that game. But there's an example. You have one off night, and a team like Salisbury can go, hello. Or maybe they sh should lose a game like that, and we've just Fair. maybe overestimated how good that team is. And we don't really Fair. know. You know, it wasn't a close game, right? That was a, I think Salisbury was up like 24, 25 points. Yeah. In that ball, Marietta got it down to like eight and seven, but it was, it was a blowout for the most part. So this is, this is the season that we have in front of us. And I think overall it's a fun thing, right? Is that's the season because when I watched Marietta, who I had very, I had like Marietta's six in the, the real poll. I bet they were five or six or seven on my ballot. I can't remember. When I watch Marietta, I do not see any separation between them and these CCIW teams that I'm not voting for this week. Wheaton, Illinois, Wesley, and Augustana, probably not in my top 25 this week. I'm going to see how things play out. I think those teams are as good as Marietta, and uh, that's just – I could say that up and down the pole. I, I just continue to feel like there's just like a basket of difference between all these teams. And and I, I just feel like we're headed towards – you know, last – year Guilford was really the surprise team right they were sort of a, a a middle of the pack you know odak team that that brushed through and they made it to the elite eight i believe i think i had them up you know pretty high at the end of the year because they played so well at the end but they came out of literally nowhere and usually when we say a team comes out of nowhere that's one two tournament games right that you maybe make it to the second weekend you come out of nowhere 
you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we've got, you know, all eight teams in Fort Wayne are outside of our top 15, right? It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, the, the interesting thing, as I mentioned, I did a, a pool C projection today where I said, okay, here, if, the, if it ended today, I think these are the 20 pool C's. Right before we came on the air, I said, oh, my God, like 12 of these, 12 of my 20 pool C's are not in the D3hoops.com top 25. Like when I look at, <laughs> when I look at winning percentage, strength of schedule, and my like version of results versus uh, regionally ranked at this point, 12, for example, my top one of my top, Mount Union, has a great Pool C resume. Yeah. Tufts, Virginia Wesley, Mary Harden Baylor, Eau Claire, Rochester, down the list. So this is a year where like, uh, to Ryan's point, I think we could see teams in Fort Wayne that are like nowhere near the pole, possibly way down the the, the no, boats. I, it's going to make Selection Sunday fascinating, and we might also just get this out of the way now, folks. As much as we love our top twenty-five, it means jack when it comes to the selections. All right, let's just get that out of the way now. Football had trouble with this. Uh, soccer had has trouble. We let's just get it. Basketball, the top twenty-fives in no sport. In no sport run by the NCAA does the top 25 mean a damn thing to the NCAA. I'm just getting that out of the way. Oh, real quick, too, because I got this question numerous times over the holiday break. We should remind everybody we're playing two rounds the opening weekend of the, of the men's tournament, first and second. Then we'll play the Sweet 16 by itself, possibly on two different days. Hello, everybody. Possibly on two different days. We'll play the Sweet 16 the, the second weekend. Then we'll play the Elite Eight Final Four in Fort Wayne the third weekend, and then the the two teams who will play for the championship will get two weeks off, two weeks in a day, and play for a championship in Atlanta. Getting that out of the way, because I know we're going to be talking about it. I might add that to the crawl, because I have a feeling we're going to hear. Women's will be normal. Was that something you heard from the committee? Because I hadn't seen that published anywhere, what the schedule was. for. The, yeah, yeah. The- Sam's, okay. Sam's given it to us. It's okay. been, we've, been mentioned, we've mentioned it mm, probably half a dozen times already on the show. It's, it's public knowledge at this point. I don't know why it's not published per se um fort wayne has come out with a press release stating that they're obviously doing the the lead eight final four i know that doesn't necessarily talk about the rest of the tournament but you know that is that is lock stock and barrel the only part that that isn't confirmed well there's two parts first part is they could go to staggered times they'd love to yeshiva get in the tournament give us a real good reason uh to give us staggered times uh during the tournament i know the men would love to do that and the second thing is that that Sweet 16 weekend, the two different days, I know it's been thought about. I, I am not saying that is locked in in any way, shape, or form. I just know it's a topic of conversation that they're interested in doing. We'll see where it goes uh, from there. Uh, quickly, before we – I have two other questions uh, unrelated to our top 25s. Any other of those games that we have on our list that, that we wanted to mention that we didn't get to? I, I know we had St. John's over Augsburg. I find that as the head-scratcher – not the head-scratcher, the funny one, because I have those teams about even in my eye, in my eyes. But – was there any others, Bob? No, that that was the one I was going to mention. St. John's beat Augsburg by like 20-ish points. Yeah, it was the outcome so that was weird. The more the margin of victory. But other than that, I think it's touched on the ones in my list. That's one St. John's I haven't gotten to see since the break, but I was told they had a big-time impact transfer at the semester break that's going to make a big difference for that team. So that might have been some of the, the difference there as well. Uh, I haven't really looked into that yet. By the way, that was, those are the things that, despite our knowledge of D3 – um, there are so many darn teams. You just, even looking at the chat boards, you can't see them all. By the way, Bob, um, did you notice that the Milliken Illinois Wesleyan preview story in a paper that will not be named since they did not name the chat boards, 
decided <laughs> to mention the chat boards and mention the belt on. I love the idea, but I'm not mentioning the paper because they didn't mention the chat boards. They did. Uh, they did mention for the first time the D3 championship belt <laughs> made it into uh, an official newspaper <laughs> in the game story. And, that means uh, we can uh, we can start a Wikipedia page for the belt right now that we have a we have a source. I think so. And so my alma mater currently holds the belt and it, it's going to bounce around the CCIW here for the next several weeks. So that's going to be thrilling. For, for those who are unaware of what we're talking about, someone <laughs> at some point years ago had this idea that there would be just like in boxing, that the championship belt shouldn't just be the, the winner of the tournament at the end of the year, but the team that beats that team. And, and then it gets passed from person to person. And it's it sort of exploded there. A couple of years ago, we, we spent a, a week or so looking in the archives, and we've tracked it all the way back to 1975. So if anyone <laughs> wants to know, you can send me an email, and, and uh, I can get you the, the championship belt path for the last 40 years or so. There's also a diva belt, by the way. Uh, just Pat or uh, Bob, I think you'll appreciate this. My aunt chiming in, Aunt, aunt BJ, saying, love hearing you all talk about Carly's, my cousin. And David's, my other cousin teams, IWU and Carthage, respectively. I don't know how they get along in their own homes, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I don't know how that works out, um, but it, I do get a kick out of that. Um, Carly did a lot of drama at IWU. Um, all right. If there's no more games, I got two other kind of random questions for you. That's my favorite kind. <laughs> First, uh, I got a question, Bob. You can duck this if you want. But one person, Robert, was curious... Um, he thinks uh, there's a bit of a problem at Carthage uh, with Baltimore, which I just get a kick out of since this show is right outside Baltimore in Baltimore County. But we're talking about the player Baltimore saying Bosco's had some problems with him the last couple of games. What do you think Bosco does with him? He suggests ideas, kick him off the team, suspend him, let him be. I don't know. Personally, I'm not aware of all that because I couldn't watch all the games. You might have. What's your opinion on it? If you have one or duck away. All I would say is that I don't know all the details of what's going on there. Keenan Baltimore is a really good player. He's a 6'5", like a small forward. He scored 40 points at Illinois Wesleyan, yeah. and he is a stud. He's a first-team all-conference caliber player, but he he had some issues in the, the game they lost to Olivet, which is a real head-scratcher, and then he got kicked out of the game yesterday apparently for uh, stepping on a player, whether it was an advertent or inadvertent, we don't know, but um, – Without him, they're not the same team. I, I thought Carthage a few weeks ago. I was like, that's the best team in the CCIW. Um, they've lost to Olivet, and then Augustana just beat the tar out of them yesterday. I wasn't even close. And so I, I don't know what's going on with Keenan Baltimore, but Carthage is not right currently. I'll tell you that. I, I will say Olivet, we should remember, Sam Hargrave's now in charge of that program. Remember what he did at Alma. I think Olivet's going to be in our, in our, in our conversations down the road for sure, but that doesn't change the equation here for why Carthage is dropping that game. I agree with you. And um, they have been on a bit of a run lately. I looked back after agreed. seeing that result, and they're playing very well right now, especially in a conference without a clear favorite up there in Michigan. They, they could make some waves. Well, and by the way, it's kind of like Hamden-Sydney. You know, they lose five of the first six, but they have won the next six in a row. Caleb Kimbrough may get that team clicking along. They're seven and five. We're used to kind of forgetting about Hamden Sydney, but maybe that coaching change was just what they needed. Though Danny Nee was a wonderful man, Caleb Kimbrough certainly knows what he's doing. Um, the other question comes from our friend Brennan. He says, <laughs> I don't like this one at all. He says, question for all three of you. Who are your players you're keeping an eye on for potential player of the year candidates? If we can't figure out the top 25, how in the world are we supposed to figure out who's going to be the player of the year this year? 
I feel like this may be one of those years where the tournament means a lot to that conversation. Sure. Um, you know, usually I would say maybe two out of every three years, we have yeah. a player who's, whose regular season is just demonstrable. You know, even last year, Aston oh, Francis yeah. was going to win that award, even if they didn't make the tournament, you know, but Agreed. then let alone what he did in the tournament. Um, but I think this may be one of those years, you know, I, Starting the season, you know, Jake Ross, obviously, Nate, Nate Shimonitz at, at uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, both of those guys started really strong. Ben College um, at Whitworth, really great individual players. But I, I think what they do in the tournament, you know, nobody is so head and shoulders above anybody else that, that uh, you know, I think the season will make a difference. It's going to be what happens in the tournament. And I, I like Jake Ross a lot at Springfield, statistically amazing. Uh, probably a guy, I don't want to use it under the radar because he was a preseason All-American, but um, Connor Reardon at North Central, um, whether he has all the stats or not, he is a great, great player. He's a 6'6 combo forward that actually ends up playing point guard, it seems like, most of the game. He plays the one, the two, the three, the four. And, I mean, this kid does everything. He's a scorer. He's a passer. He's a rebounder. He makes all the big plays. So. In the CCIW, I, I think Connor Raritan is very clearly the, the the best player in that league. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's the fascinating part. I think I agree with you, Ryan. I think yeah, as you said, every two, maybe three years, maybe four years, we don't have necessarily a, a crop of players we're we're keyed on going into the tournament that we know is going to be the the selection group or or the selected. I mean, you know, you can go to Ben Strong. They lost in the first round of the tournament, St. Mary's, but it was going to be Ben Strong no matter how you looked at it that year. And, and you're right, Ashton Francis pretty much had that locked up last year. Um, uh, Joey Flannery at Babson. Uh, you know, you can look at guys who, who we just knew. This year, I, I, I kid you not, I don't know. I, I, especially halfway, we're going to have to see a lot more games and guys are going to have to survive. But, you know, you could argue there's 10, 20 guys out there who, who might have a legitimate shot well, at being the player I, of the year. And, you know, I don't want to say there's ever coach players of the year that's not fair but it's that the talent is that good now and it's not that the top has come down i think all of basketball has improved that we see really good players now and and it's fun that way but to to make a selection for a winner ah shoot us now it's it, yeah it's not one of those years where there are clear favorites i was thinking about it just the other night i went to that swathmore rochester game zach odell you know one of the most talented players out there really There's versatile one. guy he was on our first team All-American list. He's being asked to do some different things this year. He's also got a bunch of teammates who are stepping up and are playing better than they did last year, so he doesn't have to do as much. The stats are going to be down. He's doing different things. I could see a, a conceivable world where he's barely on our All-American team, not because of anything he's Fair. done, but just because of circumstance and from so many players across the country who, who are playing really well. And to Ryan's point, you know, with the tournament, mattering a lot like i agree with that you could let's just say hypothetically that wash U, uh this wouldn't be crazy at all they they have a deep deep run into the tournament to the elite eight to the final four etc they've got two guys depending on how the tournament was they've got jack nolan and justin hardy yeah. that are good enough to be the players of the year um let's say that wash U for some reason stumbles and gets knocked out in the first round probably neither of those two guys is is in that conversation so i, sure. I agree with ryan 100 percent that 
I'm, this is the year yeah. where the tournament's going to matter a lot. And, you know, and the same the same way to keep throwing names out there because we want to promote these guys. If Randolph Macon wins the national oh, title, plus Anthony will be the player of the year. Yeah, I mean, good example. He's, he's a tremendous player, and if they win, it's it's a no brainer. You know, mm-hmm. that's that sort of thing, and you can probably say that. You know, Ben College at Whitworth and and Emory's got that kind of kind of set up too. Um, Swarthmore, as you mentioned, they miss or make. Yeah, there's there's probably a guy on every single, well, almost every single team in the top fifty that you could say they make a run in the tournament. It's because of him, or it's going to be, and and thus that conversation changes. I agree. I don't think we can nail it down to a watch list. Our watch list would be really long. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah, and I still think we'd get surprised. It's probably a little early still. You know, if we come yeah, back the first week of February, we might have a little better picture of what we're looking yeah, at. True. <laughs> um, so I get this uh, friend of the show chimes in every once in a while with thoughts, and he, he had his thoughts on Middlebury Springfield. I'm not going to share them here rather in, in depth. But one thing he said was, most important point, he went to the game. The game had a tournament feel, and this is what I want to wrap up on. Ryan, I watched it on, on, on the big screen. You were there for Rochester, Swarthmore. You and I both felt, of course, you were there on hand, even for the students not being there. That had a tournament feel. Um, this is going to sound a little weird. I had a women's game, uh, McDaniel versus Haverford uh, yesterday. It wasn't supposed to be a game. That had a tournament feel because the two teams just wouldn't let go. They kept making runs at each other. I know, Bob, you've seen a couple in the CCIW already that have had tournament field games. Uh, Stevens versus Swarthmore today seemed a little bit tournament-esque. These teams are already understanding the significance of these games in beginning of January. For sure. You know, if you look at when teams know that there's no room for error, and everyone knows that this year, uh, CCIW games I'm watching yesterday, I mean, North Central Wheaton, Overtime game. Yeah. Both teams know they cannot lose that game, that it's going to be damaging. Um, Elmhurst fighting for their life at Carroll. If Elmhurst loses that game to Carroll, they're in a lot of trouble. They find they make a 38-footer at, at the buzzer. Um, all of these games that I'm watching, teams are understanding. I watched Stevens Point play Texas-Dallas in front of 30 people in a gym, and the players understood and the coaches understood that they had to win that game. So th- that's just how it's playing out because zero room for error this season. Well, and we saw it this week. Swarthmore won both those games. They played Rochester. They played Stevens. But in both those games, they had about a 10-point lead with a 90 seconds to go, and they came down to final shots right. because Stevens and Rochester both know the how much that win would matter for their seasons, right? I mean, those teams are playing like it's the whole year because it might just be. Um, you know, and, and once we get into January, you start to see that, right? I mean, that's what we expect. Right. Like you mentioned the North central Wheaton game. I was just watching that on the, the live stream, but it really did feel like a March game. Um, you know, the Rochester Swarthmore, the atmosphere there, Rochester brought like 200 people down for yeah. that game. And, and it, you know, you could have been a second or third round NCAA tournament game, the way that it was played. And, I was and watching it's Utica exciting Hamilton. to see. Um, Utica was up by 27, 25, with like six minutes left to go in that game. Honest to God, I, I was expecting just to watch that coast out, that, that Hamilton wouldn't even try. They go on like a 27-12 run or something, insane, and cut it to within three with 30 seconds left to go in the contest. And it's not that Utica was playing badly. 
Hamilton just changed gears knowing, no, we need this. We can't drop this game. Um, that's what also makes a top 25 vote insane because you just you realize that anything can happen in a game at any point. Um, it's fun. Guys, long segment, but fun to chat, as always. Really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there, though we will give the final thoughts. We'll start with Ryan. Your final thoughts before... Um, we, we go into a, to this vote for tomorrow. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's time for the conference schedules to heat up. You know, that's what we're looking forward to. We're, we, we've been debating for, you know, the better part of, of two months now, what's the best CCIW team? Well, now we're going to find out, right? They're, they're proving it on the floor. We say Swarthmore's got an easy schedule. They're not going to be challenged in Centennial play this year. Well, we're going to find out, right? Um, these, 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 uh, Teams that maybe are coming, like I was just thinking, a Hobart or, or a Albertus Magnus, those ones that we think, well, maybe their conference isn't that strong if they take a loss or two in there. You know, these these games matter every single night. And for we forget because we talk about the top 25, the majority of teams in Division Three, all they want to do is, is win that conference, right? This is the most important thing. Uh, it's not about Pool C. It's not about NCAA tournament. It's, it's winning that conference, and we start now. Yeah, and same for me. I'm looking forward to the, the the teams or the leagues that have a lot of depth. Ryan has mentioned the uh, the SCIAC out in Southern California. There's a lot of good teams there. I want to see. Yeah. I think Pomona Pitzer is the best team, but it's a really good race. CCIW Wednesday has four games, and I honest to God think all four are pickums. Look at the CCIW slate Wednesday. They are literally pickums. The WIAC, you've got uh, Platteville coming to Oshkosh Wednesday. Ooh. So. Conference play is here, and there's a ton of great games around the country. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, yeah, excited's one word. I feel like I'm going to be redoing my top 25 ballot from scratch every single solitary week, but uh, I guess that's for another story. Hey, guys, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to you hopefully on Sunday. All right, guys, thanks. Great. Ryan Scott, Bob Quillman joining me on the Hoopsville Skype hotline brought to us by Blue Frame Technology on interviews on the Hoopsville hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframetech.com. That's www.blueframetech.com. And by the way, tell them I sent you. We used the uh, Blue Frame production truck software and in vegas it's got even more bells and whistles and we love it so uh we definitely encourage you to use it and by the way it will be used more on this show in the coming days in the coming shows you'll see kind of a version of the blue frame as we change up our advertising just a wee bit uh that's going to wrap it up on the women's side i kind of talked about it at the beginning of the top 25 i think you're going to see some changes i don't think tufts is the number one team in the country and i wouldn't be surprised if voters start changing their minds I say that now, and maybe it's a, a, a washout and Tufts gets all the votes. Uh, I, think, I think the women's top 10 is a little bit more interesting than people realize. And I also think there's teams like Smith that people are underappreciating. That being said, Smith, very young. The true test is going to come in the conference race. But it'll be fun to see how, as the conferences get going, and the teams that know each other the best really start to make it a, a change or, or make um, a, a statement about what we know to this date in the uh in the seasons looking forward to it should be a great uh rest of the way 
Programming notes will be on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, and back on the air Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Got a couple twists coming. Um, the marathon show we're scheduled to do at the end of January, though that's a little earlier if you look at the calendar for basketball. We should be doing it in February because we do it the Thursday before the first regional rankings. That's not going to work out this year, but we'll still get plenty of, uh, of good content there. We've already got guests in the works. It'll be coming after the convention, too, which will be important because there's going to be some changes coming post-convention. Um, and uh, what was it? I think we might even have, oh, Super Bowl Sunday, of course, we'll have a Monday show. We may have to sneak in a Monday show occasionally elsewhere as well. Uh, for uh, That's going to wrap it up. I want to thank all of our guests who came on the show, Tom uh, Palumbo uh, at, at Guilford, and I want to thank uh, Bobby Hurley at Stevens, and of course, uh, Lynn Hersey at Smith. And I want to thank the SIDs at those schools as well. Of course, Dave Walters at Guilford. I also want to thank Kara, uh, I believe, or Kyra uh, at Smith. I may have said that wrong, and I apologize. And Charles at Stevens. And I want to thank all the sports information directors out there for their assistance. Still have the John Carroll jersey over us. That said, good news. Chris uh, is not in the hospital anymore, and it looks like his numbers have bounced back in his cancer fight. We just wanted to keep the John Carroll jersey up there for one more show. Nonetheless, we got a couple new ones um, that I'm kind of semi-proud about in the uh, break. We'll get those hung soon enough. And uh, some more things keep changing in the studio. So keep an eye on the background. You might have noticed some changes today as well. We'll keep uh, updating that down the road. And that'll do it. I also want to thank Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott for joining us on the show. I don't have any SIDs to thank for them. Uh, they just do it out of the kindness of their hearts, though I guess I should thank their wives. I guess they're the SIDs of those two guys. Um, we'll be back on the air 7 o'clock Eastern. Reminder, we're now into segments, so we'll be our uh, regions, so we'll be talking East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions primarily on Thursday. We'll also have the WB, we'll have the debut of this season's WBCA center court segment. Not sure how that all work out, but you get to find out on, on Thursday. Make sure you tune into us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville. Also on Instagram at D3 Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash D3 Hoopsville. And of course, our website is d3hoopsville.com or D3 Hoops slash Hoopsville. Whichever choice you want. We're there. Don't forget the Team One Sports app as well. You can check out um, our uh, our broadcasts on the Team One Sports app from Blue Frame Technology on your Apple TV, Roku app, Android TV, or Amazon Fire TV. You take the choice. Uh, we'll we'll enjoy watching you uh, watch us, as it were. So make sure you check out those apps as well. And that will do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Happy New Year. Lots to talk about as we move forward in Division Three basketball. Lots to break down and lots to figure out. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast as well. If you're listening to us there, let us know, by the way, where you're listening to it. And if you're not getting it through the avenue you want, let us know what that avenue is. And we'll try and get on there as well. I think we're on a half a dozen of them, but we'll try and make it easier for you. That's it for Hoops. So you've been listening to Hoops. Hope presented by the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, D3Hoops.com, Blue Frame Technologies as techno, Blue Frame Technologies as well, and maybe you in the future, if you'd like to advertise with this show, please let us know. We'll send you an advertising package for the rest of the year. You've been listening to Hoops. So presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. All copyrights are through us, so please contact us and DMAC Productions. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday.